Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to another edition of the Primetime Rundown right here on the Eastern Observer. Alongside my guys, Ian Schreier and Rob DeLuca, I'm Joey Jarzinka. We are extremely grateful to have our good friend DB in the house. Dennis Bernstein, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the Hot Stove Saturday mornings on NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM Channel 91 with another good friend of ours, the fourth period's Dave Panyota and Ryan Payton DB. Welcome back, sir. Good to see you. How are things in uh, Double, on your side of the country? Double J, Ian, Rob, great to be with you. Everything's great, right? What a nuts 10 last 10 days or so. Trade, signings. It's not quite the NBA but or MLB, but uh, a lot of activity and happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, really, really crazy stuff to see uh, throughout the... Uh, really, throughout the first day of free agency. Uh, we got to see yesterday nearly... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was nearly almost uh, it broke records in terms of yeah. how much spending was done on the first day of free agency. I think yesterday. it was 720 million. Yeah, I was gonna. Like yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say around like 600, but yeah, there you go. So around 720 million, as uh, as our good friend DB says. But ladies and gentlemen, for those that are just joining us for the first time, thank you very much for tuning in. It's gonna be a fun-filled episode, obviously with DB on hand. We're gonna have uh, fan-sided. Uh, Vinny Parisi later on, as well as Andrew Gross, who covers the New York Islanders yeah. for Newsday as well. So let's get things started here on the Primetime Rundown NHL Free Agent Frenzy Special. Uh, DB, on your side, on your side of the country, Phil Deneau is now mm -hmm. an L.A. King. Uh, talk about really what he brings to the Kings and how that uh, solidifies that uh, that center role for him. Uh, figure what, three or even, not even four, I would say line three center. Yeah. No, he's going to be a second-line center. I think that, that was the representations they made. I think that uh, Stefan Fassé, who's um, uh, Phil's agent, went on French-Canadian radio in Montreal and said that basically he uh, Phil had a talk with uh, Tom McClellan and the commitment was second-line center, which they need. Yeah. Now, I've been uh, – and people say I've been unfairly criticizing Gabe Velarde here over the last year, but it's pretty apparent that Gabe Velarde is not a second-line center in the NHL. He's not good defensively. I'm not sure he can play at the pace. He, he's more – when I saw him drafted, he was more to me like a Tyler Toffoli. And if he can go to the right wing and score 30 goals, everybody will be happy. But he's not that that classic second-line center behind Andre Kopitar. I know people are looking at Phil Deneau's five goals scored last year and one in the playoffs and saying, you're going to pay, what, $5.5 million for a five-goal score. But he's going to give Andre Kopitar uh, reduced minutes. That's a key. He can take key face-offs in the defensive zone. Um, I think that's what you're looking at with respect to Phil Deneau. Was it an overpayment? Yeah, it was, to be frank. Now, remember, Dano turned down $30 million over six from the Canadians last summer. Um, the end of this season, they didn't even make him an offer. So they chose to go with Kakanyemi and Nick Suzuki as the one-two centers. Um, Philly, uh, New York, <laughs> L.A. stepped up big time. They were the most aggressive, and they have a need here. And they, they, they've drafted a lot of centers, guys, but as we learn, if you play centers in juniors or in college, it doesn't mean you're a center in the NHL. So all these guys, like – Velarde and Anderson Dolan and Turcotte, they're going to wind up on the wing. So you need an accomplished uh, second-line center here. And, again, he's not, you know, uh, Kuznetsov. Like, you could have made a deal for Kuznetsov. I think uh, he has two years left on his deal. So I understand why they did it. Do I think it's an overpayment? Yeah, but they had to figure out the two seed. It was a black hole for them last year. And, look, they also got Victor Arvidsson by a trade. So I think are they better right now with Phil as a two seed? Yeah, and I think the – the salient point for me is when you look at that division, clearly Vegas is going to win the division by maybe 20 games. 
Edmonton's done some nice jobs uh, on the blue line, bolstering their blue line. But the three seed, I don't know, Vancouver, OEL, not sure about him. Calgary, they lost um, uh, they, they lost Giordano. Yeah. Seattle is a, a is an expansion franchise, and San Jose and Anaheim, I think. So do they have an opportunity to go to the three seed? Yeah. So was it a little bit of an eyebrow raise? Yeah, because I think people were expecting that the money they used, they used $19 million. If you talk about re-signing Matt Roy and re-signing I follow and re-signing and bringing in the two acquisitions I made uh, that I talked about and also re-upping Athanasio at 2.7. They used $19 million in their cap space. Cap space that you would have thought would have been for a big-time goal scorer or parasitor Jack Eichel. Uh, but um, are they better today than they were 10 days ago? They are. Uh, they're not a Stanley Cup contender, but they should be in the mix for the postseason next season. Yeah, it, it it was very weird seeing a few moves, and and especially I know Ian with his uh, with his Chris Drury jersey on. I know he was definitely <laughs> hoping for, uh, or I mean, it, it, listen, it still can happen, obviously, with Jack Eichel. But I had, I honestly really believed that it was either L.A. or Anaheim mm-hmm. because of what Buffalo was was asking for and what they're still asking for. Uh, Ian, uh, for you, you're wearing your Chris Drury jersey out in Los Angeles. You know, this is a team that. Uh, is on the rise a little bit, as DB just said. Still not a Stanley Cup contender. What do you see uh, from uh, from DB's world out there? Yeah, I was just going to ask. I was going to my, my second question was going to go, go talk about Eichel, but I'll revert to talking about the Kings here and talk a little bit about what what DB had already talked about regarding Athanasiu and and also bringing in a veteran name like an Alex Edler as well to the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. DB, DB, in your opinion, when it you know for for a team and really an entire division, what it's felt like the last two years maybe with the exception of Vegas, that's really been in such a rebuild mode. Um, you had mentioned that you feel that maybe the Kings can contend for that third spot. What is it, you know, from, from your vantage point and what you see with the Kings year upon year over the last few years, what, what is the different feeling regarding the Kings? You're saying that you think that they can contend for that playoff spot. What's the difference between what you're seeing for them coming into 21-22 as, as compared to the last couple of years? Well, I think the, the top six is better with Deneau and with Arvidsson. Now, granted... They, they only add, if you look at last year's totals, 15 regular season goals to line of It's not really a, a bonanza. And this was the 27th ranked offensive team. Uh, I just think uh, more experience from their blue line. You talk about Edler. He's not a top pair guy anymore. A guy, Irv Kafar in Vancouver, covering for, he said that, you know, there's a significant amount of tread off the tires. But if he's another option as opposed to Olimata, the spell minutes for uh, the two kids on the blue line, Bjorn Foot and Mikey Anderson. That's an essential quality. They need a top pair LD, Ian. They do. Like it's not Alex Edler. It's not the other two kids that I mentioned because they're more, you know, second pair, third pair defensemen. They need that, and they will never get them. They need a Jacob Chicken. Maybe they go out, and since Columbus is in a heavy selling mode, maybe it's Zach Rowinski at the yeah. end of the season. Yeah. They need that type of player. So there are still gaps here, and they're still waiting for players to develop. You know, Quentin Byfield is the X factor here. Like, where does he go? Now, because of that rule between the CHL and the AHL, since he played more than 20 games in the A last year, he can go back to the A. So there's no rush. The other thing that it does with respect to Deneau, it, you don't have to rush Quentin Byfield now. And there has to be pressure. And I asked Rob Blake about, you know, is there a mandate from, you know, ownership to make the playoffs this year? Because the the, the trend was play the kids, go get younger kids, develop them. But now you saw a 28-year-old center for six years, and you saw a 35-year-old defenseman. He goes, the mandate's from us. We haven't won here in a while. It's been three seasons since they made the playoffs. This is If they don't make it this year, it's four. So, I mean, I, how long can you run a team 
and not make the postseason, Ian. So I, I think there are a lot of question marks. And to me, like people were judging this team 10 days ago. I said, let's wait till August 1st. Like they're a better team right now, but I need to see them on the ice. I need to see them in the preseason. I need to see what Todd McClellan will do with these additional players and how they line up to say, okay, fine. And the other thing, I mean, is you can't have regression. You can't have Andre Kopitar regress. You can't have Dowdy regress. And Dustin Brown, I think, had 17 goals last season over 50-some-odd games. That's that's like 35, 40 goals. Is Dustin Brown a 40-goal scorer in the season? I don't think so. They're going to have to do it by committee, and, and I get nervous. That's the, the downside of this. Well, I think things are positive, and I think they got a shot at the 3C. When you hear scoring by committee – it means you don't have a legitimate score. And to me, that's that you don't have the lights out score. Like maybe Brandon Saw would have been a better choice, right? So there are still question marks coming into camp, how this team lines up. So to answer your question, if they do make the postseason, what do they need? They need the new additions to play well and play better than they did last season. They can't have regression from their current uh, from their current court players. And they need some, uh, you know, they need a couple of players to emerge here. They need either uh, a Byfield or a Kaliev or a Turcotte to emerge at some point in the season, and then they should be in the mix for the three seed. They're not a division winner, and they're not going to make a lot of noise in the postseason, at least this season. And that's really something, Ian, I just want to just interrupt for yep. one second. That's really my biggest thing too, DB, and even DeLuca as well. You know, and, and really it actually, uh, it, 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 you know, you can kind of, I guess, relate to it with the Devils as well because – you know, mm -hmm. both the Kings and the Devils are both not ready to compete yet, but now you're yeah. going out and you're signing these big names. The Kings, yeah. with one obviously doing uh, Phil Deneau trading for Ardvitsin, uh, re-signing Athanasiu, but for DeLuca here, obviously with signing uh, uh, with signing uh, defenseman in Dougie Hamilton to this massive contract, mm -hmm. what does that really show? What 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 is the direction here? Obviously, the playoffs are the direction, but, you know, as DB said, DeLuca, you, you know, they're not ready yet. They're not ready yet, but the rebuild through the draft has been the way that Tom Fitzgerald seems to go because he doesn't like to trade his draft picks, especially the early ones. He uses them. Like, that's why we saw Chase Stillman get drafted. In. But he had mm -hmm. said he was tr he tried to look for the right deal for the 29th pick, yeah. couldn't find it. So he just, so last second, he just decided to use it, took Chase Stillman. But nonetheless, it's about the growth of the younger players. Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, they're, they're yeah. all growing a little more. And they have management has said it, enough is enough with all this losing. So they're going out there. They signed Dougie Hamilton. Great signing. Yeah. What they need to do now, they're still looking for a top six forward. Tom Fitzgerald had a press conference today after Dougie Hamilton saying I'm, he's very intrigued by trying to get a top six forward. And he's trying. He's looking out there. And I think with Brandon Saad now in St. Louis, I believe all eyes for the Devils look towards Tomas Tatar to come in and kind of give him that veteranship, the experience. I think there's just two more forwards, a, a, a top six forward and then a depth forward in Tom Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, we lose Rob right? oh, No, we still got him. And I, Yep. No, we still got yeah, you, Deluca. Yep. Bad, bad, right, bad storm outside. I apologize, fellas. This will be in and out all night. But yeah, I, I do like the relation you made there, Joey, with the Kings. And I think that the Kings have seen, I believe DB can relate to this, enough is enough. That's why they're going out yeah. and getting guys yeah. guys like this, getting Edler, getting Anthony C back, get 
getting and all of know, these other players, yeah, it's... praying that Kopitar doesn't regress yet. As you said, Dustin Brown was on a 40-goal pace in a normal season, and at his age, you don't really do that anymore unless your name's Alex Ovechkin. So <laughs> it'll be really interesting to see. I really do think the Kings have a shot at that spot, that third spot, because – it's it's no secret the Pacific Division's a little weak, no, so I think the Kings you're being have kind, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see Seattle as a playoff team. The Ki the Kings have a very good shot to take that third spot over them. Yeah, so I, I think to me it shows at least in New Jersey that they're not afraid to spend the money. And when you look at I mentioned at the top, they spent seven hundred million dollars each year. Like what pandemic? I think it's full speed ahead. Like nobody's worried about spending money this year. I think yeah. they're a little bit more price sensitive. I think the more curious sign, to be honest with you, in New Jersey, is Jonathan Bernie, $4 million a year. I thought Mackenzie Blackwell was the guy. Why would you bring in JB? And, and he's, he did well in Detroit and he faced a lot of rubber. To me, to, that was the more um, like eyebrow raiser because Dougie Hamilton was the top of the market. He's the number one uh, UFA on our board at the fourth period.com. So he's going to get that money, right? He's going to get it from somebody, Seattle, whoever. Like to me, to bring in Bernie at $4 million a year. Now, I know there's not cap issues in, in Jersey because of all the young kids. To me, that was the more of like the head scratcher with respect to I thought Blackwood was the guy, but when you pay a guy $4 million a year, you got to think he's going to play a, a good amount of games. Yeah, DB, I'll, uh, yeah, that's just it. New Jersey needed to reach the floor, and they're still not even there yet. They're about 850. Right. They're still about 850 short. So they, they, they're spending money because they can, but mm -hmm. they're. It's it's clear they're bringing in Bernier to mentor Blackwood. I think he is going to still be the guy. But I do – the Devils have, I believe, 13 back-to-backs this year. So that, yeah. that minimum is what Bernier is going to get is the sure. second – is one of those back-to-back ga -back games. And they'll get a few more. I think I think we will see about 25 games out of Bernier. It's, they're not ready to <laughs> throw Bla Blackwood into that, you know, full number one starter of 60 games a year. They want to make sure he's growing properly. And as Bernier said, he's – He's hoping he can attempt to steal the yeah. net from Blackwood as to therefore push him to make him a better goalie. Yeah. Uh, Ian, before I rudely interrupted you, please go ahead. No, uh, DB, this is a topic that um, Joey and Rob and I have really discussed over the last, I'd say, 72 to 96 hours, which has been about <clears throat> the premium price that teams are now paying for bottom six players. Mm -hmm. um, and coming from Montreal to L.A., Philip Deneau was a bottom six player. I mean, it, the two teams that were the most interested in Deneau were the Kings and the Rangers. And I, the, the Rangers are certainly trying to fill out their bottom six, especially on sure. that fourth line that's been in shambles for so long. So <clears throat> with a guy like Casey Sezikis, um from the Islanders who's still out there and still needs to be paid like a bottom six player, and we're seeing the years and the AAV, is that yeah. – are guys like Deneau – Goudreau are guys like that now setting um, the bar for how, for how guys need to be paid, not just in this free agency period, but going forward for bottom six players. Well, you know, I think one thing caused all that to happen: Tampa Bay's third line in the postseason, right? Gord, Goudreau, and Coleman—they were they were impact players, right? And they're not like Blake Coleman. And remember, Blake Coleman and Rob knows this. Blake Coleman was a second line player in New Jersey. He wasn't a third line player, but he got moved down the lineup because Tampa's so amazing, right? And they have such great depth. So it's a question of, I think, placement. Like you mentioned, Deneau is a, a bottom six player for the Rangers, and you look at their, their set with Mika and Strom, and they didn't trade Strom. Yes, it'd be. But in, in LA, because you, it's a combination of things. Because you have people, players in the system on entry level deals coming. Like if Phil Denot ultimately winds up as the third line center and he's at that defensive mole again, even though he's promised the 2C, if Quentin Byfield takes his spot and plays better, he's on an entry level deal. So 
I think it's the amalgamation of the three centers, how much they cost you. Right? You can't have three $10 million centers. You could have a $5.5 million third-line center if, you're, if your second-line center is on the last year of his ELC at 800 k So that's the difference. I think that's what you're looking at. Now, that Kobe's got three years left on his deal. You assume he's going to be at this level, first-line center, at least for two of the seasons, maybe not so in the third, se- third season. So, yeah, I think that – because I think we've learned one thing, right? You can't win with two, you can't win a couple of two lines, oh, and your sure. third line it has to be a combination of things. Like Suzuki's, I know that Seattle's kicked the tires there. I think Casey they're going to find one. You know, Lou's been very very quiet because he's do he's doing work. So I think Suzuki's comes back. I think Palmieri is going to come back. I think Zach Parisi lands there. Now they still have to sign Pellet to an extension. Pulak is owed a, an extension as well um, after this season. So Lou's doing a lot of work, and he's very stealth about it. So I think to, to your point, Ian, is that you can't have pluggers on the third line. you got to have some guys with touch. And I remember on, on Tampa, I remember Anthony Sorelli was really a, a three-seed coming up. And now he's a two-seed. Of course, he's with two gifted wingers, you know, like Cologne and Stamco. So obviously his number's going to be there. But, again, I think what happens is you you got to pay your third-line players more, but you must sprinkle in these guys on entry level deals. Like if you don't draft and develop and keep doing that, you, you just, it's a house of cards. You won't be able to do it. You'll have too many gaps in your lineup. That, uh, at least if you plan to be a contender for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's really. Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry there, Joey. I just want to touch base on, on really on, on on probably one of the biggest topics between which coast is he going to eventually go to, stay on the east or come west, <laughs> which is regarding Jack Eichel and. We we've seen we we saw Rasmus Ristolainen traded. We saw Sam yeah. Reinhardt traded. The only piece really left in Buffalo at this point now is Jack Eichel, and I understand that the the price tag for him is as high as it is, and what they're asking from the Rangers for him, or what. And it appears that the Kings and and the Wild, or or at least based on the most recent reports, um, are out. So I mean, based on your opinions and what you've seen mm-hmm. from the Pagulas and what you've seen from the Buffalo front office, does Jack go anywhere this year? Or do you think by opening night, he ends up, he ends up coming to the Rangers or elsewhere? Well, Kevin Adams made a very strong statement today. So basically we're in control of the whole process. He is until this time next year, when Jack's no movement clause kicks in, you don't want to have Jack out to have more control of the deal. Right. So I think that, and and I just think from an organizational standpoint with all the strife and all the, 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 the disconnection that you've had. Do you really want him in the camp to start the season? Like, you don't. But I get why. They, look, they can't, here's the thing, Aaron. They can't blow this trade. They can't do another trade like Ryan O'Reilly. Right? They got nothing for Tage Thompson. Right? Tage Thompson's not Ryan O'Reilly. They can't do that again. They can't. So I get, look, and the asking price, as people know, two NHL players and a first-round pick or a prospect or the equivalent of two prospects. Now, look, the Rangers – I, once you trade Bushnevich, I don't know how you make the trade. I don't think that, that, that I don't think there are any assets there, right? And I get Sammy Blaze. You know, my buddy Shane O'Brien actually loved the trade for for the Rangers because it makes them tougher. You know, with him and Goudreau, it makes them tougher on the bottom six. That was a twenty-five goal scorer. That is a top line player. You got to think that they traded for Bushnevich, so they're going to trade Tarasenko now, and they signed Saad, so I think he's out the door. So I, I think that with respect to Jack Eichel, I get why they're holding lines because they can't screw this up. They, they really can't. I mean, the, the fan base, got, every time I do a, a segment on radio or TV and I talk about Buffalo, I start with or I end with this, God bless Sabre fans because they're so <laughs> damn patient and they haven't given up hope yet. But at some point in time, like, what do you do? You can't blow this trade in. Like, so I get why he's holding the line here. He's hoping yeah. somebody blinks. But at some point in time, you got to lessen the ask. you got to move on from him and hope that the players that you acquire will make this a better team. Let's move on, guys, to the next uh, just a little bit 
a little bit a little bit east of where db is and northeast actually up in edmonton and db i want to start with you because zach hyman cody cc tyson mm -hmm. barry those three were obviously the ones that uh you know they signed in edmonton or rather uh tyson barry re-signed in edmonton with an extension mm -hmm. And the thing to me is, is that at some point, you know, the time is just tick tock, tick tock for Connor McDavid. Is this, is this the sign of Ken Holland saying, all right, we're going for it now. And if this is not it, then forget it. What's, what do you see uh, on this deal? I think it's a, I think it's a season by season situation in Edmonton, JJ. I think they're going to try, they reconstituted the team. They brought in Zach Hyman, who I'm sure Connor McDavid will love. He played great in Toronto. He priced himself out of that market with his play. And he's 29 years old. He's not a kid. So he's, yeah. he's, he's there until he's 36. So I think it's just another way of a, a gritty player who's going to get in front of the net and they're going to try it this way. And then the left side is pretty good. If you like Ryan Nugent or Hansen or not, him and Zach Hyman on the top uh, on the top six on the left side is pretty darn good. Yeah. So And not only that, we talked about the Pacific. They're clearly the second best team in the Pacific, so they can afford to roll the dice here. Is Connor McDavid going to get fed up if they go out again? And, no, but that's why you bring in Duncan Keith, who you guys didn't break up. Like you know, so yeah. when you're down, you know, two games to none against Winnipeg, somebody got to stand up in the room and show some rings and say, "Hey, look, I've been here. We need to rally." So Duncan Keith, I, here's how I explain Duncan Keith, JJ. Um, five point five million dollar cap hit, right? You're paying two million dollars for a three, third pair defenseman and three point five million dollars for leadership in that room, which they don't have. Right. So I don't have a problem with that. So they're going to try again. I think they see the opportunity because, again, the Pacific Division is weak. Um, they should be able to – can they get past Vegas? I don't know. Uh, but I don't think Connor's at the point where he's going to tap out. I think that he sees Kenny Holland trying. But, again, if they flame out, if they win one round or they lose a round or they get swept again by a, a nondescript team by, by Winnipeg, then maybe he does look for greener pastures. It would be a tough situation because how do you get value for that guy? You can't. Um, but I, I think he's willing to be patient because he does see Kenny Holland making moves, but they would have to resign. You know, next season, this is the last season for Darnell Nurse. You can't lose him as well. So I think it's a it's a season by season situation in Edmonton. Yeah, that's that's tough. Ian, take it away, please. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that point, Joey, especially with UDB. Um, in regards to you, you said that, you know, how and we, I think we've said it repeatedly already through the first 22 minutes of the show of how weak and how you know the Pacific Division is projected to be. And, and, and that's the one team in this division that always bothers me is the Edmonton Oilers because mm -hmm. the ceiling always feels because you have two of the most elite scorers in the league. You have the heart, you know, the hard trophy winner um, and they always fall short it's year after year. They're I mean, I don't want to compare them on the same level, but they just kind of feel like the younger, less spending version of the Toronto Maple Leafs of the West. <laughs> and, and they play in a much, and, and, and they play in a much weaker division. So, uh, by you saying that that you know they sh they are the second best team in that division, um, it, should it be? I don't want to say should it be more than that, but is it has it just become a level of complacency in Edmonton at this point? No, it, it shows you, Ian, that you can't win a with a twenty three man roster with two great players. You need depth. This team has never had depth. Yeah, and I'm not sure they had. They they let go Jukal Kahara. He's going to go play somewhere else. So I'm not sure that that middle six that they have. Like, I, it's, I think it comes down to their third line. Like, if if they could construct a third line like Tampa Bay did, I'd give them a lot more chance to to do some damage once they get out of the division, right? Because, again, you know, by default, I think they win their, their first-round game. And then if they get past Vegas, then you say, well, if they can get past Vegas, they're a pretty good, darn good team. Um, I'm not sure that team is here yet because I'm not buying their depth yet. Again, yeah. This is another team. Let's see. Because you know what Connor and you know what Leon are going to do and to a lesser extent – 
uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I assume Zach Hyman's going to put up 20 and 30 on that top line. But it's what happens to the depth guys. Like, what can they do in a big spot when you shut down? And you can shut down anybody, Ian, right? You know it. Like, Van, uh, Winnipeg shut down Connor and Leon. Like, when that happens, who's going to step up? And you saw for Tampa Bay, who stepped up? Yanni Gord scored big goals. Blake Coleman scored a huge goal. Barkley Goudreau tapped in. So it, it, to me, it's that middle six for Edmonton. Will they be able to come through? And if they can, then they can make some noise in the postseason. DB, I told um, Joey, and I, I Joey, as we know, his favorite team is the Islanders, but his second yes. favorite team is in San Jose. And based on the guy, based on the players that are on the roster, I just you know he he believes that the Sharks are just in salary cap hell, and that the, that there's just no ceiling for the Sharks going forward. I believe the opposite. What's your take on the Sharks coming into 21-22? They're not a playoff team. I don't like them. I think they're too old on the blue line. I think they spent too much money on on the Carlson deal was was terrible. Um, you know, hey, look, they, they should thank they you. should thank themselves that that they didn't get uh, uh, John Tavares there. You remember that was ninety one, <laughs> you know, for seven for for that ninety one for ninety one. So I, I just think they're too old. I don't like the depth. I think kind of I, look. I, I love a kid like Logan Gutierrez, but he's now I think thirty two years old. I just don't like the. I think what happened, and we again talk about depth. We talk about character. When Joe Pavelski left town, that was a profound loss that they've never made up for. So I, I think they're also ran. I know they got rid of Martin Jones, Aiden Hill. Okay, you think he can win you games in that in that division because the Lush division fine. I, I just don't like the depth. There was some talk about them trading Timo Meyer. I think that's a, a pretty substantial rebuilding job for Doug Wilson at this point. And the sad part is, too, is, is that I'll never forget when the Sharks made that deal. There were not many people that said, oh, yeah, this was a horrible deal. No, I remember saying it. I don't, I don't like to pat myself on the back too much, but that one was really, really bad. And I was kicking myself, thinking to myself, what is this? When you're you're doing well, oh, forget it. It, it, it it's, no. it's a waste of time. It's just it's just it's just a waste. Guys, let's keep on moving forward here. One last topic with you, DB. Now we sure. we, we talk about Toronto, and you know, it, to me, it's just we don't know what what really what the deal is. Where we see Kyle Dubis in his in his um, in his. Uh, uh, in his or uh, the, the the most recent the most recent press conference that he had mm -hmm. or, or the most recent exit media day or whatnot, and it sounded to me like he was just going to just go with the flow with the guys that he had, and there was not going to be any shakeup. I mean, to me, you're you lose you lose your captain in John Tavares, uh, you know, in in mm -hmm. in the first round last year due to injury. And what do you see with this team? And now from what we keep seeing, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, but we keep seeing now that Dubas may be dangling Alexander Kerfoot when he just uh, when he just protected him, actually. Uh, no, did he protect him? No, he did not he um, him, yeah. in the expansion draft. But tell us a little about what you see with Toronto. I, look, until they get a, a greater commitment to play the defensive side of the puck, they're not going anywhere. they got to win a round, and they're in a tough division. Like I'll get they'll win it. Look, they'll be in a top three in the division, but I don't like them in the postseason. Yeah, and they trade basically traded Freddie Anderson for Mrazek. Mrazek's hot and like he's such a streaky goaltender. Could he get on a heater in the postseason and carry this team? He could. And he also could get hurt. What? And Carolina didn't want him as a contending team, so you figure that out. So to me, it, it's just it, there's not. And you know what happened, guys? Also, they picked the wrong old guys. Like to, like Montreal, they picked the right old guys. They went up going to a Cup final. You know, it didn't work with Simmons and didn't work with uh, Joe Thornton and didn't work to lesser. You know, Jason Spencer was acquitted himself well. But, again, this is a team where, guys, it's just a repetitive theme. 
Like, watch your depth. Watch your bottom nine about. Like, is it good enough to win in the postseason? Can it stop teams in the postseason? I'm not buying it. I just don't think there's enough defensive commitment from this team. I do like the coach, but until the mindset of this team changes for the postseason, they'll continue to do it. And coming off what they did against Montreal, going up 3-1 and losing four, when a team they never should have lost to, I just don't think there's enough backbone and enough defensive play here that I don't like them. I think they'll be entertaining during the regular season, and I think they'll be a pretty easy team to play against in the postseason. Unbelievable. Unbelievable it's, stuff. Ian, it's so true. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, no, DB's 100% right here. We see it from the Leafs every year. They they dazzle they dazzle <laughs> you in the regular season. You're thinking, oh, this could be it for the Leafs. This is it. And then what happened? What, 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 what do you know? Bruins in seven. Another year goes right. by. Another great regular season. Thinking, yeah, now, no, now this is it. Uh, what happens next? Yeah. Bruins in seven. If you see, like, mark my words, if it's. If it is somehow, once again, Bruins and Maple Leafs in the playoffs, <laughs> just put all your money on Bruins and seven. Trust me. And the Bruins me. did good. The Bruins made some nice additions. Yeah, really they really did. They're, gonna, they're a better team than Toronto right now. Yeah. But you know what? Now that you bring up that, – say that you bring up Boston, DB, now they've they've traded, as you brought up, They uh, Toronto traded Anderson for Mrazic, mm-hmm. but now it looks as if that Boston traded Rask for Linus – Allmark. Yeah, Allmark. They love him. They paid him five million. They love him. They, I, someone tell you. What do you guess, think about that? About that signing? Well, it's a, it's called escape from Buffalo. Maybe you get away from the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres organization. And you they like you know you're leaning on your scouts, right? J Double J. That, that's yeah. what this is. You're leaning on your scouts. Um, maybe it's a Robin Leonard situation. Remember Robin Leonard? A lot of people didn't like Robin Leonard in Buffalo. Went to Chicago, did well, got paid in Vegas. So maybe it's the same type of situation. He's still young in it. And great, look, he's got a way better team in front of him too. So I think that they're rolling the dice a little bit, paying him $5 million a year. But again, this is a situation where Don Sweeney's leaning on the scouts. They like the player and they think he can fit well uh, with respect to that team. Well, we will see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the Hot Stove Saturday mornings from 11 to 1 on the NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM Channel 91 with the fourth periods, Dave Panyota and Ryan Payton. DB, thank you so much, as always, for coming on here and being always a good sport with us. We uh, we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, obviously we'll see you soon. Double J, Ian, and Rob, thanks for the time. Have a great summer. We'll talk to you in the fall. Yes, absolutely. Anyway. Have a good one, DB. Thanks okay, again. Cheers. All okay. right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, of course, our good friend, Mike Zabo, uh, is here. And Mike, thank you for coming on here with us here on the uh, NHL Free Agent Frenzy show that we've always, uh, that we actually brought up with you a few times. And Ian put me on the spot saying, did you invite him even? Of course I did. And now you're here. Mike, thank you for coming on here. And we appreciate you coming on here, man. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite, Joey. Uh, you know, a lot happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, you know, lots been going on with uh, hockey. You know, I, it's funny how I said uh, on the, the tweet promoting us, like being on the show today and like, forget the baseball trade season. You know, we got the <laughs> we got so much hockey to talk about. I guess Brian Cashman looked at my tweet t- today. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you're, you're such a liar, Zavo. Such a liar. Yeah, I, I think it's all a smoke screen, but that's, uh, you know, the conversation <laughs> around the time. It's all a smoke screen. I don't care. If, I, I don't care if he gets Mike Trout. I want him gone. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> the other way. The other way. Got to right, point right. the other way. There you go. 
Mike, your your New York Rangers, uh, they really bolstered the blue line. They bolstered the bottom six. Uh, we brought that up with DB. You were backstage. We brought up about, or rather, Ian brought up about the bottom six and really how valuable they're becoming lately. Um, you know, and and just and and I know we brought this up. Ian and I had brought this up either last show or even off camera. Um, when in 2013-14, when the LA Kings won the Stanley Cup, I should have brought that up with the LA Kings guy in DB. Um, but when the Kings won the Stanley Cup, you roll all four lines. And the Rangers, unfortunately, were unable to do that in Elaine Vigneault's system then. Um, what we do know now is, is that the NHL is beginning to revert a little bit back towards toughness. And you heard what DB said. They try and replicate the Tampa Bay third line. They try and replicate the Islanders' fourth line. What do you see that the New York Rangers did and they did so well in day one of free agency? Because I thought it honestly was an A grade for what they did. Yeah, it was a lot of underrated moves, not really a bunch of big names like we saw a lot of other people being thrown around the league. It was a lot of guys who are underrated, maybe don't have a lot of flashy stats, but depending where you put them in a certain role, can certainly be big impact players. And um, like you said about how important these bottom sits guys are becoming, you just see that in the playoffs, how much it is to have these blue collar guys that are going to get stuck in, uh, get you some big face offs, get you some big four checks. And uh, that's, you know, that it's been huge in the playoffs in the last couple of years, teams are starting to realize it. And they realized that after they saw what Tampa Bay has done the past two years, I think the Rangers, they, they solidify, they solidify themselves on some really good depth. Look, Dolan came down from his rafters, uh, apparently, to to go after this team um, and their front office because of toughness. That's the, the exact reason why that we saw um, John da uh, John Davidson and Jeff Gordon both gone because didn't have enough toughness in there. So you obviously expected that no matter whether it was free agency or trade or whatnot, that Chris Drewy was going to go after physicality, and he absolutely did. I think they kind they they. I don't know if I want to get hyped up and say hit it out of the park, but I think they did really well um, with some of the guys that they got. Cap-wise, I think they did uh, pretty well on the financials. I think they really tried to sell themselves um, in terms of depth to try and go after Eichel. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think they've covered themselves at the defense and forward position. God forbid they do. Uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but... Um, yeah, I think they, they added some real quality depth. I don't think you could be mad at what the Rangers did, put it that way. Yeah, and you know what? And and this I wanna go I wanna go with Ian last because he's got the Chris Jury jersey on the general manager of the team. Um honestly the first the first person I know who buys a, a general manager jersey. Ian, great job there. You you really can uh, he see was the playing he, he was playing for the Rangers when I bought this. Thank uh, you very I, much. You can't take a joke. This is unbelievable. But, no, apparently not. they're Rangers fans. They don't have a sense of no, humor. No, no, no. It's I'm unbelievable. Just, I'm just gonna call you on your lie, Joey. That's it's absolutely it unbelievable. There was no lie because it was a joke. Unbelievable. Uh Rob DeLuca, though, yeah. because because so obviously for all of us here, uh wearing our uh, our uniform, our uniforms, our name and number t-shirts, or as Ian is wearing his general manager's jersey. Uh, he got that custom made, by the way. Um, so, you know, and, and it actually, instead of the numbers, it says GM on the back. Um, 
<laughs> GM of the year. Yes, no, no, not just yes, GM, absolutely. GM in of his, the year. In, in his dream. I'll tell you, man, Lou's got nothing on Drury. No. Oh, oh, I'm <laughs> sure. Oh, I'm sure. DeLuca, <laughs> uh, so because as we brought up, you know, I'm an Islanders fan. We've, <clears throat> we are outnumbered here in terms of Rangers fans. But sad. I can't, I can't, I really cannot, um, I can't not give credit to Chris Drury and even the New York Rangers because, again, they they traded a seventh round pick for Barkley Goudreau's rights. They signed him to a lucrative six uh, six year deal, um, worth three point six four one six six seven. That's a that's a mouthful. Uh, you trade for Sammy Blay, which is obviously I think the one strike that that uh, that Chris Drury had. Which as as uh, DB said, he doesn't know really if that's if that's enough to uh, send up to Buffalo for for a Jack Eichel. Um, but then you also on the blue line though, I feel is probably the best part that this team, uh, really improved on Patrick Nemeth, as well as Jared Tenorti as well. Uh, what do you see in this New York Rangers team that, I mean, has them pointing towards up? What I see from just this past 24 hours is the Rangers are ready to get their revenge on Tom Wilson with all these signings that they have made the past day, the past day. So, cause it, all, all they were, these, these are some of the big, some of That's the biggest all guys for. offer to, yeah. to Jared Tenorti, Patrick Nemeth bringing back Greg McKegg. It, it's like they're, they're getting, they're getting ready for opening night where they do happen to face the Washington Capitals. So it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a dog fight that night. But overall, like you said, there, J- Chris Drury does get some credit. He's off to a pretty decent start here. I will, I will, I will not to any point defend the Buchnevich trade. It was that was yeah. bad, especially if it lands with especially if it ends up landing without Jack Eichel. It turns out to be a completely wasted trade. And it, it will be very interesting to see how he'll have to respond to that if and when, and I do say when, because I think at this point it's more than likely Buffalo won't send him there, that the Rangers will start this season without Jack Eichel on that forward course. So but overall he's doing an all right job. You know, he's a rookie GM brand new to the front office. So it'll be, he's, he's got a whole lot of off season left. We'll see how he addresses the Buchnevich situation without Jack Eichel. If that is to be the official case, we will see how he fills that hole because you lost about 25 goals right there. So you're going to have to step up and fix that. So now Ian Schreier, because again, you're wearing the Jersey, you're a Rangers fan. We're outnumbered. What do you see in this first day of free agency or first rather day and a half of free agency and what the New York Rangers were able to accomplish yesterday. Well, we saw what the Rangers were trying to accomplish in free agency. And that was a trying, which they haven't done yet, trying to get that elite scorer, that elite player, which they were hoping is going to be Jack Eichel. I I still haven't given hope on Jack Eichel. I still think that the Sabres are going to try to unload Jack Eichel before training camp. And I think even DB Reference that just minutes ago and saying try to get Eichel out of there. I don't think he's he's going to be the best for that franchise right now. I think even though he's got five years still left on his deal, um, mm-hmm. that the, this team that Buffalo really after trading guys like Risto and and, and Reinhardt just need to start over. Uh, but for the for the Rangers, I mean, he, Chris Drury addressed the one 
area that Jim Doan specifically asked him to address, which was grittiness, which is what this team has been missing. I mean, you look at the teams within that Eastern division that they played last year and lost to on a regular basis. You look at the Islanders, you look at the Penguins, you look at the Caps that have that have just gritty bottom six players. The Rangers don't have that. The Rangers fourth line, for, and I'm sure Mike can attest to this as well, uh, for the longest time, the Rangers fourth line has just been a team of just real, like, Guys who just rehashers, you know, like guys that they, they that, you know, ah, we, we need a fourth line. All right, we're going to pick him up at center, pick him up at left wing, pick him up at right wing, and we'll turn it into something. I mean, the you know, I'm not trying to take, you know, takes, you know, jabs at guys like Greg McKegg or Rooney or, or anybody like that. I just think that this team needs some sort of solid play out of their bottom six, and it's something they haven't had for a long time. I mean, and a coach like David Quinn, he kept trying to juggle lines. I mean, at one point he had, Kreider on the third line then he had Zabanajad on the third line and he tried you know messing every which way he tried to make something happen with Heedle on the third line I mean look I understand that they had to sign him to a two-year deal uh, because he's an RFA but I mean Philip Heedle hasn't shown me anything yet um, to say the least so uh, with regards to getting back to your question Joey I mean what, what have I seen the last day and a half they're, they're building up the bottom six and that's yeah. the area that the Rangers needed to address Yes, I agree with Rob that the Buchnevich move right now is looking very, very sour. Um, but it, I, I still think if if Eichel's not the play, they're going to start entertaining Tarasenko. I wouldn't put that off the table just yet. Wow, it's very, very true. Joey, we'll take take a look at the uh, comments here from yeah. Jason Weston. Thank you for yeah. watching us, Jason. And and honestly, he said he says it best here. The Rangers filled the need they lacked. They have a young team of skill players. No sandpaper grinding players with any real NHL experience. Jury just fixed that in a week. And you know what? He's right. I will say I will say they absolutely did take care of that need. But to what I was saying personally is how many do you really need? Because they signed about they have about they just picked up four in the past week. So it's how how much written really not on opening night. Yeah, well, well apparently we really are gonna ask Tom Wilson that on opening night, Mike. And and then, Joey, if you could pull up Jason's second course, comment yep. here. Now that now the young-skilled players can move up the lines and let the down-and-dirty guys do their job in the bottom six, scoring wasn't the worst part of the Rangers game last season, and he's absolutely right. I think yeah. he, he basically bounced off what Ian's, Ian said there. It's, well, I think it's to exactly his point about the and, – and I'm sorry to cut you off there, Rob. I think that's all right. saying about the bottom six, I don't think they're all going to be kind of like – I think you're going to see Goudreau center that line um, as of right now until, unless they find <laughs> – they bring in an Eichel to center the top line and then shift everybody to everybody down. Um, that line is still going to be a, a combination of maybe Goudreau. At, you know, if, if, if the if the kids again struggle, maybe you see Goudreau centering Lafreniere and Kako. Uh, maybe you see, you know, I think to start off, you're going to see Goudreau centering probably Kravtsov and Hedl. Uh Would probably the best way to describe probably the opening you know, their, their third line come opening night, if I had to guess at it. So yeah, yeah I think I, right now it's, it, they, they did a good job addressing fourth line. They need stability there. Um, They need guy. they need, they need that fourth line to contribute serious minutes. Um, Instead of just being a line that comes out that, that, that plays very sparingly. I think they need to take a page out of Lou Lamorello and the Islanders book when it comes to the fourth line. I know it's very rare to get a fourth line like that, but they need to aim that way because that's the way the NHL is played right now. You can't be – we saw it in the, in the Stanley Cup final in 2014 with the Kings and the Rangers. Everything, everything's been trending that way for, the, for a while. The Rangers need now need 
to, to copy that trend so many years later. All right. Uh, yeah. Go and, ahead uh, yeah. And I so while we're on the topic of the, of the New York Rangers, a little bit of breaking news here on the Eastern Observer. It looks like uh, now former New York Ranger defenseman and failed right wing experiment, Brendan Smith, is on his way to the Carolina Hurricanes for a one year deal. And, it, uh, you know, it, with Brendan Smith, Ian, Mike, Mike, we'll go to you here. It just, it was a very interesting ride with Brendan Smith, I guess you can say, you know, trying to find room for him on the blue line, couldn't, so you tried to convert him into a, a winger. And we all saw how that experiment went. So it, where, where, what do you see this doing for Carolina, really? And do we have to remember that failed experiment again? Um, <laughs> Carolina line winger Brendan Smith, but go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think for just Carolina, just bolster. It's just another guy in there bolsters uh, some more in their blue line. Try and maybe a little bit of a project and try and rebuild him a little bit and plug him in there somewhere, probably in the second or third line, um, something like that. Um, interesting to see, like Brendan Smith and now Tony D'Angelo over there. I think that might be. A and little bit. Don't forget Brady Shays. Don't forget Brady Shays there too. It, How about Jesper Fox? Rangers down there. How about Auntie Ranta? That might be a little Ranta. bit awkward in that room. Rangers South, down the new Rangers South, right? Yeah, no. It went from Tampa Bay being Rangers South. That's moving now to Carolina, I guess. They're moving up. I, I yeah, want to show this third comment time, real yeah. quick, guys, from Jason, which says the Rangers essentially had none last year. The bottom six was all young players cracking the lineup. Kravtsov and Kako really had no business getting fourth line minutes. Yeah, you're right. But also at the same time, um, I mean, listen, Kako is still so young and obviously Lafreniere was in his first year. Um, but, you know, they, they need to keep those guys. You know, they need I think they need to keep Kako and Lafreniere at this point with Kreider. Um, I, you know, and, I, and, and I'm not the biggest Chris Kreider fan. <laughs> I really think that, you know, they, they should have paid uh, Buchnevich instead of paying Kreider. I think they're going to regret that decision. Um, I understand that he's a leader and he's been there with the team now for the better part of 10 years. Um, and maybe, you know, does he de he deserves to wear the A as he does, but he misses the net a whole lot for a guy who wears the A. Um, nevertheless, um, no, I think I think your point is is right on is is right on. And I think that it's going to be very important that you're going to see Kravtsov getting third line minutes, Kako getting top or second line minutes. And you just need to continue to get these kids exposure. Agreed with you 100 percent. If it wasn't for the Buchnevich trade, honestly, it would have been a really good free agency window for them. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah. you know, they didn't go out and get the null. So it's like, what's the plan at center, really? You traded Buchnevich, and now you stockpiled all this depth and bottom six guys. Maybe it's going to cover you for an Eichel trade, but th that's no easy fix. I mean, who who you're going to give up? I mean, is it going to be Kratzoff or Heedle? And then do you are, are Buffalo going to ask for Lundqvist or you know Zach Jones? You have to think about how what the draft capital is going to be like. So that's a complicated situation, but. I think if it wasn't for the Buchnevich trade, I think they would have done really well. I think a, a lot of people will probably just feel soured uh, by the Buchnevich trade that it probably soured the free agency window a little bit. But I think they got exactly what they needed in terms of, you know, blue collar guys, guys who are going to do the dirty work. And now that you got guys to do the dirty work, like the comment said, you, you now are able to, to get um Kratzoff and Kako and Lafreniere the ability to be able to grow and focus on scoring more or whatnot so I think now you expect the Rangers whether or not they get Jack Eichel let's say they don't you're expecting you're you're basically running out the same guys there at forward 
no huge change there at center bar Goudreau. And you're hoping that everybody else takes a jump. The bottom six guys sort of deal with that aggression and physicality problem. And everybody else, all those young guys, Lafreniere and Kako, really take a jump, which is what they need on offense. Unreal. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we do want to give you some breaking news uh, that has come through the wire from uh, our good friend over at the fourth period, Dave Panyota. Uh, let us read a couple of his tweets here. Uh, quote, Phil Deneau's six-year deal with Los Angeles has a full no-trade clause in years one through three and a 10-team no-trade list in years four through six. Alex Edler's one-year deal with LA pays him a base salary of 1.9 and a signing bonus of 1.6 and includes a no-movement clause. Uh, also, in terms of no-movement and no-trade, uh, former New Jersey Devils legend Blake Coleman uh, has received that six-year deal from Calgary. And in there, there is a full no-trade clause in years one through three and a team, a 10-team trade list in the final three years of his contract. And this is the best one here, in my opinion. Freddie Anderson's two-year, $9 million deal with Carolina includes a 10-team no-trade list over both years. I mean, again, now this aggravates me, okay? And 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 something that grinds my gears, um, and we haven't really played that in a while uh, on our show, um, but really what grinds my gears, and I want to turn the page to Winnipeg. Uh, not so much Carolina being cheap, because we know that. We knew that in previous owners, and now we know it now, especially with Alex Njelkovic being shipped up to Detroit for essentially nothing. Um, and, and it's really unfortunate, and it's more on the lines of, Steve Stevie Eiserman fleeced Don Waddle. Um, but we're past that. In terms of fleecing and in terms of no loyalty, uh, I'm gonna consider the Vegas Golden Knights being uh the biggest uh suspect here. And the reason why we bring up that is because of what uh the Winnipeg Jets have done, and that's where I want to head to. Uh the Winnipeg Jets just traded for uh, for Nate Schmidt. And the reason why, again, with, with Schmidt, he's been uh, all around the league, it seems. He went from, uh, he went by expansion to the Vegas Golden Knights from Washington. Then afterwards, he was shipped up to uh, Vancouver last year when the Vegas Golden Knights just randomly popped in and said, hey, Petro, want to come and play for us in the, uh, in the desert? Sure, sounds great. Okay, well, now guess what? Now there's no room for Nate Schmidt, who just signed a nice, shiny little seven-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. Not ideal once you do that. And then after that, then the Vancouver Canucks had Nate Schmidt for one year, didn't really work out too well, and shipped him over to Winnipeg. Now Winnipeg, in my opinion, has won this offseason so far, shoring up that blue line. Mike Zabo, I want to get get your uh, thoughts on this with Winnipeg. And obviously here, uh, you know, with free agent frenzy, uh, there's not really much with Winnipeg, but so much on the trade front. Uh, what did you see with Winnipeg here? Uh, they also got Brendan Dillon as well. And really, ever since Dustin Bufflin retired, Winnipeg's blue line has been, I would say, near Swiss cheese. Yeah, I think they really, they really made some interesting moves. Um, you mentioned about their blue line. That's been a problem for a few years. They, they, really, um, they really boosted it. I think it'll be a lot better than it has been in years past. 
Um, but but yeah, I think they made a lot of uh, interesting moves in in this free agency. I think they've been pretty aggressive, and I think they've they've done well in a lot of their moves. They bolstered their their blue line. I think they'll take a step up in the division, and um, you know, moving into the postseason as well, they could be an interesting team. But I think they they made some pretty interesting moves this year. Yeah, you look at Nate Schmidt, you look at Brendan Dillon, and of course, you still have. Uh, New York Rangers legend Neil Pionk as well, uh, who still has to be re-signed. He is an RFA uh, arbitration eligible at age 26. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, you still have Dylan DeMello, obviously, who uh, has come a long way from uh, from Ottawa as well as San Jose. Uh, and now he's found, finally found a home up in Winnipeg. So really great job there. Uh, Kevin, she- Kevin Shevla day off, uh, Ian or DeLuca, either one of you take this, uh, again, Winnipeg, not so much on the free agency front. I I'm going to get, again, I think they, they won the, they won so far in, you know, it's only July 29th. We still have another couple of months. Um, what do you guys think about Winnipeg? I, I think, Joey, that with with respect to, to Winnipeg, I think what 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 gets overshadowed a little bit with Winnipeg is is has been the regular season performance the last two years of Connor Hellebuck, um, and I think that kind of overshadows the fact of when he's had to stand on his head and, and make big plays. He's he's in, at least in the regular season he's done it. I think we have been a little disappointed the last couple of years by their postseason performance. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I still have a little bit of concern. I like the Schmidt move for them, but I think uh, I still have a little bit of a concern when Neil Pionk is your starting top pairing right defenseman um but what alongside joshua morrissey yeah yeah i mean what it comes down to with winnipeg is is really that um that that right wing spot with guys like blake wheeler and and and, uh and dubois um i I think you you have to hope dubois has a bounce back year for winnipeg i think they're they're counting upon that um we saw them resign bring paul stasny back so that's definitely going to give them a little bit of leadership i'm not sure what you can expect uh, from you know from the scoring column from him at this point but I mean he's still going to be he's still a second line player on that team or projected to be um, but um, I think there's going to be I, I think there there's still they still have to fortify some areas at least offensively and defensively I think Nate Schmidt's a good start I think they've they've tried they've started to address that with some trades but um, again I think this team is still riding Connor Hellebuck a little bit because they're definitely weak in certain areas yeah that's that's really uh, kind of where it comes down to, Deluca. What do you think about this uh, this Winnipeg Jets team? It's it's really an interesting team there in Winnipeg because you know they they shocked everyone by sweeping Edmonton, but then they go into round two and they get themselves swept. So it, yeah, by Montreal. Montreal. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's an interesting team to say the least. They've decided to make a switch with backup goalie, allowing uh, once again, as Joy would like to put it, New Jersey Devils legend Eric Comrie. They're allowing him the opportunity to be the backup to be the backup once again for the Winnipeg Jets. So I think this will open up. I think what all that does is it honestly doesn't do much for them. Changing the backup goalie that was not really a problem that Winnipeg was suffering from. The I'll use what like our our and actually they kind of were. I'm going to interrupt you there. They kind of were. The reason why is is because Laurent Brassois who found a, a home actually in Vegas behind right. uh, behind Robin Leonard was not really the best backup 
for uh, for Connor Hellebuck, and that's also why we got to see Hellebuck play nearly sixty to sixty-five games. Right, uh, and in know, today's, N- I mean, no, really we tough. Talk, we talk about that ten years ago. That's that's nothing, but in today's NHL, that's a that's a big workload. Yeah, in comparison yeah. to today's NHL. So it's really I think it. I think. But I don't know how much that'll really change things for Winnipeg. Really, their their problem is, and I'll use something DB like to say, their depth. You know, you gotta look at you gotta look into this team's depth, especially on defense. That blue line, as you said. I mean, look, Neil Pionk's a good hockey player. Let's let's not put that past him just because it didn't work out in New York. and doesn't mean he's not a good hockey player. But, no, I'm not. But, but, but yeah, you can't. I, I think, I think, I think you're. I think you're overvaluing Rob Neil Pionk as a top pair. Top no, pair no, 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 no. He shouldn't be a top pair. No, he he's not going to be anymore. That I was. That was. That's all I said. That's yeah, all I said. Be a top pair by he's a very good depth defenseman, but having thank him on top you. pair that's thank gonna you. that's yes. gonna lead to that's gonna lead to some bad things by having him on the top pair. Morris will no longer again, be there. I could tell Mor- you that right Morris now. Morris is another good top pair uh, depth pair guy, not necessarily top pair. So Winnipeg's got a little work to do. Lo- obviously, losing Dustin Bufflin was devastating to them in more ways than one. But nonetheless, I think. Winnipeg will find their way back to the playoffs in the central and, and it'll be as a wild card, I would say, because they're getting, they're going to get both Western conference wild card spots. That's not even really. A, well, it's going to be Colorado, Dallas, and, and St. Louis. I, yeah. I don't think St. Louis has dropped uh, off. That. I, don't I don't think St. Louis has dropped off that much. Now. Considering there's going to be five playoff spot, considering there's going to be five playoff spots in the central, yes, I'm. Sa- I am saying the Pacific Division is not getting a wild card spot. It's simply no. just not going to happen. That no. division's too weak. So you're going to see teams like St. Louis, Winnipeg get there, and you know Minnesota. Minnesota will be in the fight, but well, yeah, Minnesota, they, well, yeah, that, they'll that's, be in the fight maybe, but. But yeah, staying with Winnipeg, they're doing very interesting things via trade. They've been very quiet. So uh, in terms of, you know, it's a free agency special per se, but they're doing a lot of work trading wise. So I would yeah. say keep an eye, definitely keep an eye on them. They're not going to be making any big splashes with uh, free agents, but, you know, there could still be a couple of trades in the works. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And they still have another 15 contracts to fulfill uh, before uh, before October 13th, which is uh, which would be opening night here in the NHL. Uh, they only have eight forwards, um, on the, uh, or, or, uh, or, you know, on the books right now, only eight. So they've got, they've got a few, um, to do, but their clear need was defense because unfortunately, again, just behind Dylan DeMello was Neil Pionk. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it, it couldn't be done. You have, you have to get, build some depth and that's exactly what they did with Schmidt, Dylan, um, uh, you know, with those two guys, it's again you're you're beginning to really form that depth, and uh, and Winnipeg is definitely gets my kudos uh, for that. Uh, guys, next team I want to go to is Seattle. Uh, they made a little bit of a different uh, a different approach, and a word for it. Yeah, they made a very different approach, and the way it was from a couple of years ago was when Vegas is George McPhee, who now is the president of hockey operations over uh, in in uh, Las Vegas. Vegas went for it all. They 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 went for they went for the big name guys. They got some you know really uh, you know dark horse names: William Carlson, Alex Tuck, Thomas Nosek, the, the, the Eric Halla. Uh, the the list goes on. And for Seattle, we got to see last uh, last week rather. Uh, in the expansion draft, um, they 
they went from uh, they went from Jordan Eberle, Yanni Gord, uh, uh, Vitek Vanacek, uh, who was just traded back to Washington, and now yet or rather yesterday, uh, G- general manager Ron Francis makes this weird move and in signing Philip Grubauer uh, to a big deal worth five point nine million dollars six years. It to me. What direction is Seattle going in, Rob DeLuca? I want to start with you here. See, what I'm seeing in Seattle is hard to describe, really, because what was the what's the point of taking someone in an expansion draft if you're gonna send them right back? That's what we saw with uh, just yesterday, Vitek Vanacek. Washington Capitals goaltender. Now yeah. I guess you can literally he he will now literally define Seattle Kraken legend because he was on the team for about a week. Yeah. And 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 was before getting traded back to his original team, the Washington Capitals, for a a draft pick. And it's because and it's because that it is because Seattle did make a splash in the free agency pool. And they got a prize goaltender in Philippe Grubauer. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado Avalanche fumbling that deal with Grubauer now allows Seattle to swoop right in and take them at five point nine million dollars AAV. Yeah, pretty stellar deal for a number one guy. And honestly, I I'm not a big fan of why of Seattle doing that, but I don't. Because to me, it it just bothers me. It's this is my own personal thing. I don't like if you're gonna take someone in the expansion draft, use them. Don't do that. Don't well, the thing trade to, them back. Right. Well, the thing to me also here, Deluca, is is that they're running short on on centers as well. It to me, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, there's not a whole lot. Of, there's not a whole lot of sense here. I mean, it's. Because it's again, tough and, to and, say why and this is something, that. and this is something that I heard uh, on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio today, uh, that where Alexander Wenberg to start the season because of Yanni Gord's injury is going to be C number one uh, with with Jordan Eberle on on his wing. It to me again, it just there there's not a lot of. There, that's there's not a league. that's not a National Hockey League line one. I'll tell you uh, that right now. Those right, guys, but again, those guys are good at NHL players. Injuries, you can't you know yeah. you can't really you can't control them. But but that's because of the route Ronnie Francis went, which nobody actually knows what route he's trying to take Seattle here in year one. Nobody is sure. Yeah, based because after the expansion draft, then it's like okay, we're clear, they're clearly gonna build, but then you go get Grubauer. And you, you you make a couple of other moves, and it's like, wait, are you trying to be competitive, or are you trying to to build yeah. something instead? It's right. very confusing. This is certainly not going to be a Vegas situation, and yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Ian Schreier, let's get your thought on uh, on Seattle before we get to Zabo and wrap up. Yeah, I, I'll kind of wrap up my end on the Kraken quick because I feel like I, we kind of touched on them a little bit on our show on Monday with respect to the expansion draft. I think to to ronnie francis's credit at least this at least gives them a legitimate guy between the pipes now i mean this is a a goalie who's a year or two removed now from from really getting big money on the free agency market um you know in terms of the performance that he put up with colorado um so i think for the kraken this is a he's a 29 year old goaltender who's entering the prime of his career and i think this is going to at least if if he turns out to be the goalie that he was at certain points in colorado i think this is just going to give them some stability in the net i mean they they have their concerns elsewhere on the ice almost everywhere i mean we we sat here on monday and pretty much 
with a fine tooth comb went down almost every pick that they and criticized just about every pick that they made in the expansion draft. So I think this is at least maybe to some extent a saving grace move for Ronnie Francis to at least try to so many days later call it a side deal move or whatever you want to call it to at least go out and get a legitimate goaltender. Mike Zabo, let's conclude. Uh, let's conclude your segment here with your thoughts on Seattle and the direction you believe that Ronnie Francis is going down. Well, I think there was a little bit of shock at the beginning because there was talks going into the expansion draft that there was potential that they could have selected Carey Price, and obviously that gives you a legitimate guy between the pipes. Then they didn't. Maybe you go through the draft. You're not sure what uh, they're not sure what they're doing. All right, they grab. Um, uh, V's tech there and then oh well they, they we could you know maybe we made a mistake here they realized in between I guess the expansion draft and free agency they're like oh we made a mistake here let us go sign somebody legitimate trying to look smart and rectifying a mistake and yet you know you, you know, we're all able to see what a mistake it was and how much how how puzzling it is what they're doing but hey you're a new franchise I guess you make the rookie mistakes now so Oh, and this is, and, and, and I don't, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Mike, but this is also what happened when Tyler was uh, commenting with us, and he was saying how he liked all the moves that Ron Francis made. But then my comeback was also if that if those moves were great, why is he in Seattle and not in Carolina? I mean, you know, there there are just certain things that it just it doesn't make any sense. And Chris Dreger also from Florida. You know, he was supposed to be supposed to be the starter. Uh, you know, he he had a fantastic playoff, uh, you know, uh, a, a playoff series with Florida, and he would be uh, the guy. Finish your thought. Yeah, I, I just think it was very strange, especially on the goalie front, uh, you know, how, how they operated things. It seemed like, and I know I'm just focusing on the goalie part, but it just seemed you want to uh, and you're you're a new team. You want to build things out, and probably as we keep we keep on talking about a pretty weak Pacific Division, you could legitimately competitive be competitive in year one. You know why not build out your your guy your guy in the goalie with an experienced guy who carry Price? I think that's where you know things just started to you know get puzzling with, and it keeps on going down with each pick in the expansion draft kind of weird what they're trying to do. So I think that's the perfect word to describe it. Weird. Yeah. Well, we're going to conclude with that. Uh, what I do want to just say though, from Jason Weston, uh, Tyler Pitlick is the real legend. He lasted a day before being shipped to Calgary. That is very true. He really is the real legend, but then he comes back and says, Dreger must be pissed because this Grubauer hour deal uh, be, by this group hour deal because he definitely signed in Seattle thinking he was going to be the goalie of the future. Yes, Jason, that is exactly why there is zero direction because what are you doing? What, what, what is your direction here? And what are you trying to build in Seattle? It doesn't well, make we had a lot so of sense many questions, Joey, regarding after, you know, one of the first thing we pointed out post expansion draft was what were they doing in goal? Were they really just, going yeah. to be the team that's going to let up the most goals of any team in the NHL this year, or are they actually trying to build through the draft? We didn't know the direction. So at least, I mean, to a certain extent, this gives them stability between the pipes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Zabo, uh, our good friend, Mike Zabo. Mike, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, we will see you soon, hopefully. And uh, you know, have a good one. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on guys. Talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Thanks a lot. So, we are going to now bring in uh, – we're going to bring in Vinny Parise, who 
now, Vinny, let me ask you this, just to pronounce your last name. Is it like Zach Parise or is it Parisi? How, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, I think you're uh, you're oh. muted. Hold, hold on one second. You're muted there. Uh, there we go. Sorry go about that. That's all good. People get me and Zach's name wrong. We actually pronounce it the same, but not a lot of people realize it. It's Parisi. Parisi. Oh, yeah. well, okay. Well, now, first, just to give everybody a uh, a background of, of Vinny, writer and editor for Fansided, contributor for the New Jersey Devils for Pucks and Pitchforks, and he's also expert of Dull Windy City for Chicago Sports on Fansided. Vinny, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry uh, you're a couple of minutes late, but uh, welcome aboard. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here on our NHL Free Agent Frenzy special. No worries at all. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you again. Yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, let's revert back to uh, to New Jersey. And I think to me, and something what uh, what our good friend Dennis Bernstein, DB, said earlier from the fourth period, uh, he said it off camera to, uh, to DeLuca was, have fun paying Dougie Hamilton uh, that much <laughs> money uh, down the road. Vinny, I want to start with you here because – uh, you know, you're, you're a devil's guy, you're a contributor. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, on this deal for Dougie Hamilton? And I want to then go to Jonathan Bernier after your thoughts, starting with Dougie. Well, for Dougie, I, it's a great move. I mean, it had to be done. He was fourth for Norris trophy voting in 2021. Yeah, that's not the end all be all, but it's proof that he's a very good defenseman and the devils don't have a lot of very good defensemen. At least they're trying to start building a group of very good defensemen. But you need that leader. You need that number one guy. And for at least the next four or five years, I believe Dougie Hamilton can be that guy. And if you develop Ty Smith the way we think we that they can, if they develop Luke Hughes, we'll see what happens with Damon Severson. P.K. Subban probably has just the one year left. Beyond that, Dougie Hamilton's the guy. And you're paying him $9 million to be the number one defenseman. There are a lot worse defensemen that make more than him. And he's going to be the anchor of a blue line that they're trying to build for a long time. Yeah. Uh, now, Jonathan Bernier, though, th- this was something else to me that, you know, you're paying a guy, you're paying a guy 4.125, um, and he's 32 years old. You're paying him for two years. Um, again, this is something that actually Ian brought up about, about Mackenzie Blackwood, even Scott Wedgwood as well. Uh, you know, the latter obviously is not ready to be a full-time, uh, a full-time NHL goaltender, but uh, the former in Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, what is this again, the, the signals here uh, on first day of free agency from a lot of general managers around the NHL. Um, they put up one big giant question mark. And for me, this move with Jonathan Bernier was one giant question mark saying, okay, this was almost the uh, plan F if you will. Uh, and we had nobody else to turn to. Yeah, so the last two seasons, the Devils' record in games that Blackwood didn't start is abysmal, and their records in games that he did start are isn't really all that bad. And, you know, the team isn't very good in front of him. He masks a lot of mistakes, but it's getting better as time goes on. If Blackwood made a lot of money, if he was like 28 years old and making all the money that we think he could make in his career, signing Bernier to this type of contract would be a little bit of an issue for me. But the fact that he's still relatively cheap, you can pay a backup that you trust for two years. And Bernier was pretty good on a bad Detroit team. And he proved that he can be a good backup goalie to Blackwood for a year. If the Devils get good goaltending out of Blackwood and then turn to Bernier once every three or four games and he plays well, 
then they're going to be a lot better off than if it were Wedgwood or Aaron Dell or any uh, Gills Sen, any of the other guys that they had a chance to use. Corey Crawford was supposed to be that guy, and then he retired. So I'm all for it for now. If five years from now they're signing backups to that much money, if Mackenzie Blackwood gets his payday, that would be a little bit more of an issue. Yeah. Now, they also have about another $600,000 before they reach the uh, the cap floor. And this is something that we discussed or DeLuca had brought up earlier as well. But I'll ask you this here, Vinny, um, before I turn this to Ian and, and over to DeLuca, obviously. Um, do you foresee any other moves that Tom Fitzgerald would be making? Um, you know, and I don't want to say uh, grade A moves for, you know, for, for these power guys, but we got to hear that the Devils were in on some pretty big free agents, one of which being Brandon Saad. Obviously, he decided to go to St. Louis. But the Devils now, again, this is the part where I had the big question mark because you're beginning to build and you still want to, you know, you're not there yet. And you're going out and signing these or looking to sign these top free agents or quote-unquote top free agents at at the time. What do you see here with, with this Devils organization? Where are they going next? What would be the next signing, do you think? Yeah, well, first I'll address the cap thing. There are, what did you say, 800000 under the cap, which I sounds about, about 600000 I think it I was. I believe about really? 600000 yeah, about 530000 600000 yeah. Yeah, getting RFAs, um, Yegor Sharangovich and Yanni Kokonen signed, we'll put them well over that. They're both still RFAs, and then I think that pretty much takes care of their current active roster. And then in terms of getting sod to me, the biggest thing for them is development. Yeah. And Jack Hughes, Nico, he's the two guys I just named that are RFAs. Uh, even a guy like Jesper Bratt guys that they believe in going forward. Those guys need to show progression and bringing in someone like sod might do that. So it's not always necessarily about trying to win, which obviously I think they're going to try to start to win a little bit, maybe not be a playoff team or anything like that, but I don't think they want to be the worst team in the league anymore. Top five pick. I think those they're, they're done with that in their brain. Whether that comes to pass is we'll find out. But if you sign a guy like Saad, you could put him on a line with Jack Hughes or Nico Heeshear. And right. Hey, this is how we did things in Chicago. This is how we did things in Colorado. I saw a guy, I put, if you're Nico, I play with a guy like Jonathan tapes who we hope you become 80% of him someday, which would be a complete win. If he became 80% of tapes, like, I just think the experience factor and stuff like that can really help. If you put a guy like Saad with Jack Hughes, I don't even know what the ceiling could be. Ian Trier, take it away. Vinny, thanks for coming on. We appreciate Mm -hmm. all your insight on the devils. Um, The one thing that I think that concerned uh, Rob as well as, you know, and uh, I think really any person that follows the metropolitan division with respect to Jonathan Bernier is, um, what type of message, I guess, even though he's he's there to be the backup, but he, he spent much of his career as a starting goaltender. Um, I'm not saying at this point of his career that he should be just a backup to <laughs> to Mackenzie Blackwood. But what kind of message, even though Blackwood is the starter on this on this Devils team, what kind of message do you feel a signing like this kind of sends to a future star of Blackwood stature, though, a little bit? Um, it probably shows him like, hey, I mean, this is how I would take it if I were him. You look at the record like I brought up when he doesn't play and it's bad. So it's like, hey, we're here to help. We want to win. We know you can't start every game. That's not how the modern day NHL works. So he could either take it as, oh, there's a guy breathing down my neck, or he could take it as, oh, every good team in the league has two goalies. 
the Bruins with Halak and Rask last year. I know things are going to be different going forward for them, but like that's just an example. If you have two good goalies, your chances of success as a team is better. And that's how I would take it if I were Blackwood. I'm, I'm sure hoping he takes it that way because he does have a chance to be like a really good goalie. He started off on fire last year and then he got COVID and passed it on to the rest of the team, it seemed like. And from that point on, he was just kind of okay for his standard. Like he wasn't bad by any means, but for his standard, I would say it was okay. But w- before that, we were talking about Team Canada for this guy. You look at the, yeah. you know, the the players that Team Canada might have to choose from for the 2022 Olympics, and it's like Carey Price, Carter Hart, Blackwood, Bennington. All those guys will be in the mix. So I think getting a guy like Bernier could motivate Blackwood a lot. I thought the move for Dougie Hamilton was just so important for the Devils. I mean, aside, I mean, aside from those first couple of weeks where we saw the Devils really surprise a lot of teams at opening series with the Bruins um, at the Rock last year to open the season, especially. Um, I think what what what's you know what we can't ignore also for New Jersey is in addition to Dougie Hamilton and and also uh, the numbers that he also puts up. I mean, he's not just a good defenseman; he also you know puts numbers. He gets he has he had forty two assists last year. Um, and then adding to to that, like guys like now that they signed like Ryan Graves and uh, Jonas Siegenthaler, and then also having still having Subban um, on a nine million dollar price tag for one more year. Um, how important is it for a team that let up as many goals as they did, like the Devils? Um, granted, they weren't healthy at certain points, but how important is it now to have just some veteran leadership on the top on the top two pairings for the Devils coming into this year? I think it's so important because it helps the defense in that way too, but it helps the team as a whole. Their oldest forward is Andreas Johnson, who's 28. So, and the rest of them are all younger than that, and like significantly younger. Uh, the, the guy that wears a C is 24 or 23, however old Nico is now. Jack is very young. So, even on the defense, like you mentioned, Ty Smith. Uh, we'll see if we see Kevin Ball or Riley Walsh or anyone like yeah. that. Um, Luke is coming down the pipeline. He'll play at Michigan next season. Um, I think having leadership like that from a guy who's that good is very important because as you mentioned, he could, he's, his analytics were really good last year. The analytic community really enjoyed his game last year. People who go by the eye test or whatever you want to call it. He had all those points. So he pleased those people last year. There's really not much to complain about. I do understand that maybe six years from now, that contract when he's 35 might not look quite as does as it does right now. Kind of like a guy like Subban. But I mean, if they get a really good first five years out of it and, the young players on the team take the steps that we think they can take, then I, I would say it'll be worth it. Vinny, my last point here from me, I kind of have to break you in here with us a little bit and, uh, and ask, uh, considering your, your namesake might be a former devil himself might be heading to the Island alongside guys like Andy green and uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. And then, and I can go on down the list of, of uh, the New York devils. Um, I mean, do you consider yourself an honorary Islanders fan at this point or what? If Parisi signs with the Islanders, I'll cheer them on when they're not playing the Devils, unless it impacts the standings. <laughs> unless it impacts the standings. If, if the Devils' playoff berth relies on the Islanders losing to the Flames on the last game of the season, then I'll root for the Flames. Yeah. But sure. Yes, I will have certainly no problem rooting for the Islanders if Parisi goes there, especially. I like Paul Mary. I like Green. I obviously like Lou Lamorello. Um, I believe Travis Ajax still has one year left on his contract as well. So you're right. The New York Devils, they're trucking along there. So uh, the I, Long, I- Long Island Devils, whatever you want to call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. It's, sure. it's up to you. The New I Jersey Islanders. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking a trip from Chicago to New Jersey is in my future. I 
plan on taking a trip to see the first week of the season next year. And I think the Islanders will be on my slate if I'm in yeah. town. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. No, it, it is true. DeLuca. Well, Vinny, you know, great to have you here. Glad we could get the King of Fans sided on board with us here tonight. And, you know, Vinny, I just taking a look at it, it just yesterday was a day Devils fans have probably not experienced since. And I don't even know if you want to count the 2019 offseason when P.K. Subban came to town because that it's a tough call because that was just the one move. And it seemed like a lot of good moves. But in retrospect, that day ended up actually coming in infamy for the Devils as it led to what we see now. And this this day felt a little different. This kind of felt back in like 2010, kind of, when the Devils were still that powerhouse. And it just kind of felt there's a glimmer of hope coming be- that the direction is finally going the correct way and it essentially is going to stay the correct way. So what, what, do we, what do we think about yesterday and – what else do we have to do here in New Jersey to make sure it's fermented that, Hey, we're not, this team's not going to mess around. Give it maybe not this year, but next year, certainly. Yeah, I agree with you in 2019 with Subban, there were still some question marks. He didn't have a good year the year prior before making the trade. Um, There were, you know, issues in Montreal. It like, it led to him being pushed out of there. Montreal is a weird place. I don't even want to get into them. But, you know, in Nashville, he had some good years, but it had been a couple years. There were some some question marks with P.K. Subban's game right. on the ice. It was awesome to have that guy come to the team at first and, you know, what he brings in terms of excitement and all that. But And there was also the unknown with, like, Gusev. We all thought it would turn right. out okay. It didn't really work out. No. Um, John Hines was the coach. That was disgusting. Yeah, there's just so much more to look forward. Yeah, there's just so much more to look forward to now because Hamilton's coming off a really good year and he's got a couple really good years in a row now. He seems like he's fully developed, like what the Bruins thought they were going to get from him. Prime time. Exactly. And when he was a young defenseman in Boston and they were trying to win, they didn't have time to sit there and let him develop like the devil or like the Hurricanes did, or even when he was with the Flames for a hot minute there. Like the Flames. They obviously thought highly of him. They gave up Adam Fox to get him. It ended up not working out for Carolina. Yeah. But or was that trade flipped? I might have that flipped. Either way, they yeah. thought really highly of him. And Dougie Hamilton just seems a little different than that day. And I, the Kovalchuk trade, maybe? Yeah, the yeah, the trade. Time. Exactly. It wasn't even a free agency signing. So it's like, yeah. when, was, when was the last time a free agency splash made it like this? Because, you know, you could say Yarmir Yager, but he was four, he was 42 when that when that signing happened. So it's Yeah, like, we considered you know, it borderline sad that he was their best player that season. Yeah. Oh, the, for, for the two, season, two and a half seasons that he was a devil. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. No doubt. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, a fun time, to ha- fun time to say you had one of the greatest forwards of all time on your team. No question yeah, about that. Yeah, him and Broder play on the same team was cool. That was fun. Jeremy yeah, it was, it was, that was fun for the goals. hot second. Yeah, it was fun for the Jeremy hot second. Yager will still be were... scoring goals with an AARP card, guys. Just like that's right. He's doing. That's what he's doing in the Czech Republic. He plays, himself, <laughs> he plays himself on the fourth line of the team that he owns, and he scores yeah. a few goals. But no, yeah, Vinny, I think you know there's probably two more big moves in Tom Fitzgerald's pocket. I would say it's a top six forward and a depth forward, and just pick a pick pick the pocket here. Who are you looking at? 
it sounds like they're not out on Vladimir Tarasenko. That's right. That's what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm hearing similar things, and it's – I don't know if that'll come true. I don't know if we want it to come true. That kind of right. has like a Subban-type trade feel to it, but there's less term, and it's less money. And it's a forward, so if he could snipe 20 goals, will it be worth it whether he lives up to being Vladimir Tarasenko or not? He'll probably score 15 to 20 goals at bare minimum. The right. ceiling is 30-35 with that wrist shot. It, it all, to me, depends on his skating and all that kind of stuff. So that, a depth forward, I I actually agree with that. They're probably not going to sign another defenseman. Because no, no, they I think got, good. They got the kid from, he's going to be their seventh defenseman. I can't even. Yeah, uh, Jaros. Yeah, Jaros. Jaros, yes, yes, yes. And then Siegenthaler's there. Will Butcher's yeah, on. So the, 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 the like defense, I think, is ready to go, finally. Yeah, for, finally. So the first time in a long time looking at, you know, Hamilton, Severson, Smith, Subban. Yeah. Great. And there's, there's guys that aren't even, like, in the conversation that could be like Kevin Ball or like right. Riley Walsh or Michael Vukeyevich. Guys like that could just come out of nowhere. So, to me, you're right. I, I like the idea of a top six forward. If it's Tarasenko, maybe – um, Kyle Palmieri is not technically re-signed with the Islanders yet, and neither is Parisi. But we'll see yeah. if it kind of seems like they have had a gentleman. I mean, I'm more of a uh, if free agency that is most likely not signing with the Islanders. I'd say Tomas Tatar is out there for us yep. to, to yep. take a Tatar. shot on. I think that I think that's yeah. someone who could vet, be, play on our top six and very consistently put that yeah. puck in the net because the Devils need those pure snipers. I don't think Alex Holt, Holtz is exactly ready yet. So until no, and if he is, ready, he'll play in the someone. bottom six. Yeah. But if someone's connected to the Islanders and there's complete silence other than being connected to the Islanders, chances are they're going to the Islanders because that's Lou. That's that's Lou. So yeah, you know right. you know Paul Mary's probably off the board. Zach Parisi's off the board. Travis Ajax, one of the names we haven't heard yet. And I'll tell you what. The de- what do you think about this, Vinny? The Devils are in need of a third-line center still because that, that's a hole. Z- Pavel Zaka needs to play on the wing. He's a much better winger than he is a center, so I don't want to see him back in, in, a, in a center role. So could could there be a reunion there? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, anyone they could have play that third-line center is probably better on the wing, and I'm talking about Sharon Govich, Kuokinen, or Zaka. I'd rather see all those guys on the wing. Yeah, even though they could play center, as you mentioned, so I would. I do that to their them. development, is is what I say. Yeah, and so I wouldn't mind seeing someone like, um, what's his name, come over, Travis Zajac. I don't think Dawson Mercer's quite ready yet, but if he took that third line role eventually, I w- I would kind of like it. He's been really good in his junior development. He seems to score more hat tricks than he does single goal games down there. But I don't know. I, I like the idea of bringing him back if it's the right price. So I want to just interject here. And just a few minutes ago, Vinny, you had brought up about John Hines. And this is something that the reason why I remember last year um, when I believe it was last. Yeah, it was last year when the Nashville Predators are uh, last year, the year before when the Nashville Predators hired John Hines, not too long after they fired Peter Laviolette. And I remember when Rob DeLuca saw that, I remember he told me he was just like, this is the beginning of the end of Nashville. And this was the time when Nashville was just coming about two years coming off of their Stanley Cup uh, final run. And they were really good. They were very good. They were stout defensively. They were 
you know, as and they've never really been under Barry Trotz when when he was the uh, the franchise's first head coach. Uh, you know, amazing at the fo- you know at, at forward. Uh, it was always defense, 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 and really that's kind of the way that Laviolette and the Nashville Predators, David Poyle, those guys, you know, they took them. But now that John Hines is in the fold, now we start to see the dominoes fall. And this is the part where I look at you, by the two of you on the bottom. And I say to myself, wow, did Rob DeLuca call it? Ryan Ellis, who signed uh, a big deal in Nashville to essentially finish his career there, traded to Philadelphia. Uh, Matt Duchesne is is there. Ryan Johansson, there's rumblings of his name going around the trade, uh, uh, the trade, um, the trade stove, if you will. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it seems to wonder like, you know, John Hines is maybe just that guy who stirs all this stuff up where, you know, Nashville is really heading downward all of a sudden. And it all started with him. Yeah. It's honestly crazy. They left Duchesne and Johansson unprotected. And I was like, well, that was also what? because of their, of their ridiculously high cap hits as well sure but would we consider them ridiculously high cap hits if they were scoring that's fair like it seems like every time john hines goes somewhere their best forwards their hands turn to stones except for taylor hall but taylor hall had nico Hishier, who i believe can thrive with anyone he's not you know Connor mcdavid but he's he's so good at like the little things that i think it helps a guy like hall but other than those two Pretty much every forward under John Hines underperformed to their potential, at least in my opinion. And the same thing's happening in Nashville. Everyone who leaves there seems to go find success somewhere else. Um, watch Eric Halla be amazing with the Bruins. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, the same thing, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but the same thing goes with Victor Arvidsson out in uh, out in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Or how about Callie Yarncroke in Seattle, who mm-hmm. really – was a fantastic player making a very, very nice little lump sum of money and who can also play on the power play and on the penalty kill. Not many NHLers can say that. Continue your thought. Absolutely. And, and I don't know if Kevin Fiala played under John yeah. Hines. Uh, I don't believe so. No, that was Michael yeah. Granlin who's still there. Yeah. But either way, like when Peter Laviolette wasn't much different, the, the, their offense wasn't great. And John Hines, it's like, it's just a weird hire because you went from Peter Laviolette to like an extreme version of Peter Laviolette, which is John Hines. And we saw with the Devils that at least once he was gone, they were able to score. They're still not a good team yet. We yeah. Well, they might be. We'll see what happens next season. But Lindy Ruff, he wasn't this like magical magician, but at least they were somewhat fun to watch at certain points. Yeah, really crazy stuff to see with the uh, with the New Jersey Devils. But I mean, again, you know where and and you brought it up with uh, with with John Hines. Wherever he goes, some of these forwards are just uh, you know they they're they're stone hands now. Really uh, wild stuff to see now. Again, Joe, uh, uh, excuse me, Roman Yossi. My goodness, uh, he signed obviously until the end of twenty seven twenty eight, making a big nine point zero five nine million dollar AAV. Vinny, I want to end this here. Um, PK Subban making $9 million. Is there possibility maybe that if there is that Tarasenko talk that you were bringing up or possibly, uh, any trade talk that he would be going back anywhere? You're talking about Subban? A Subban. Would he go in return of anybody if, if the devils were to make a deal? I would think that the devils would have to retain a good portion of the contract if that were to happen, which I would be okay with since it's only a one-year deal. And like you said, 
before getting Quokinen and um, Sharon Govich signed yeah. to their yeah. next next deals. Yeah. They're still under the uh, luxury tax. They're still going to be way under the salary cap. Yeah. And so, and I, I don't really think anything's going to happen unless they make two or three really big Tarasenko type trades. I don't think they're going to get anywhere near the cap. So I would retain on Subban if that meant bringing else someone back. Yeah. And it'll be done after next season. But it, nothing would surprise me in today's NHL. Hall was traded for Larson. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky yeah. was traded in his prime. Like literally nothing would surprise me in terms of like, I cannot believe that that happened. But I will say the chances of it happening are less likely than other things. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Vinny Parisi, uh, writer and editor for Fan Sided, contributor for the New Jersey Devils for Pucks and Pitchforks. Vinny, thank you so much for coming on uh, here tonight, and we look forward to having you back on in the near future. Thank you guys so much. Anytime you need me, just ask. Absolutely. Sure. Thank you. Yep. Thanks so much. Well, someone that is very familiar to the uh, to the New Jersey Devils beat, but really has now gone to the good side in the New York Islanders, Andrew Gross of the of Newsday, who covers the New York Islanders. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Let's just get your correct nameplate up there. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. How uh, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. I was. I'm trying to formulate some joke since I've spent the last 48 hours writing about the impending arrival of uh, Zach Parisi. I was trying to formulate a joke to follow Vinny, but I just couldn't come up with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. So, so Andrew, you've you've been on the Islanders beat for a few years, and now you've gotten to see what Lou Lamarillo, uh, you know, we all know what he's all about, especially Rob DeLuca, just to your right, knows all about what he does, and it's just keeping nice and quiet. And we got to see what Nick Alberga uh, from Sportsnet said earlier, that Casey Sezikis was on the Seattle Kraken radar, uh, but now it's looking more like he's really, uh, you know, staying here and staying home, if you will. Uh what do you see on on uh, Casey Sezikis' front? Yeah, no, it, it, it's really a process of elimination. I think the Kraken had that uh, they had that forty eight hour window before the expansion draft. I think that's when they first reach out reached out to Casey's camp, and yeah. they may have they may have revisited it uh, after the the bell rang on Wednesday. Um, but when I say it's a process of elimination reports like that have been so far and and few in between for not only uh, Casey, but for Kyle Palmieri and, and for Zach Parisi, that it just seems very Lou-like that he has these, he either has these deals wrapped up or is very close to wrapping them up. And he has put the fear of God into everyone, you know, other agents and just everyone. Because because the way Lou operates is, and, and he and he's you know he's told agents or, or players this, you know that if he sees the story in the play in the paper, the deal's done, the deal's dead. He won't do it. So he puts the fear of God into you know these players and their agents and everyone clams up. But I, like I said, the fact that. There are no connected dots. You haven't heard Kyle Palmieri's name come up anywhere. And honestly, coming into today, you know, I know Brandon Saad went to uh, the Blues, but really it was, you know, Palmieri and Saad are probably the two top remaining free agent forwards out there. And you didn't hear a peep about Kyle going anywhere. 
Um, you know, little bits here and there. You know, this is the second time uh, Zeker's come up in conjunction with uh, Seattle. Um, so a little bit of smoke there. But really, you know, you would have thought that Casey Sezikis, you know, given kind of how, how you know, after what the Lightning did in the Stanley Cup final, um, you know, or to, to, to win the last two years, how valued these gritty identity-like guys are, you know, how they're being valued right now. Blake Coleman, you know, making more money than I ever thought he would make in the NHL with the Calgary Flames on a longer deal. I, I mean, twice the length of any deal I ever thought Blake Coleman would get in the NHL, right? And Barkley Goudreau, uh, the other line mate, goes to the to the Rangers. At, at, you know, three point six million is nothing to sneeze at either. So you you would would have thought that Casey would have been sought after uh, on this free agent market, and the fact that you know, there, there was not a peep really um, just tells me that, that Lou has something in his drawer for all three of these players. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really wild to, to not even hear a peep. And, and obviously, uh, you know, as we brought up, you, you covered say, if I'm not mistaken, just correct me if I'm wrong here, you covered the devils when Lou Lamorello was, was, was there. Um, Not as the beat guy. I would kind of, you know, I, I would help Tom Galitti out with the Bergen yeah. record during the playoff runs. Right. Um, but I, I was doing the Rangers, but um, I, I'll tell you this. I, I talked, you know, because you, you, you talk about, you know, silence and everything. Madison Square Garden, you know, when I was covering the Rangers, Glenn Sather is a, a bit of a loose cannon in front of an open microphone. Um, yes. and it didn't take Dolan long to kind of shut him down. So we, we rarely talk to Glenn Sather. Um, I, I talked to Lou Lamarillo much more as, as the Rangers beat writer than I did, you know, Glenn Sather. So, you know, as Lou, you know, whenever I, you know, kind of hint that Lou's been at this for a while, which sort of Lou takes as me calling him old. And and I, I will say this, he's in he's in twice the shape I'm in right now. So <laughs> um when whenever I, I, I sort of go down that path, Lou never never fails to point out that I've been at this for a while too, that we do go back together. So yeah, you know, uh, yeah. A, a long answer there. Yeah, no, I you know, I've been yeah. dealing with Lou probably since two thousand and three, I would think. Yeah which coincidentally is the year that uh, Zach Parisi was uh, was drafted. So, uh, Ian Trier, take it away. You and your Chris Drury uh, general manager jersey that you've got over there. <laughs> the, the jokes have not ended. And, Andrew, thank you so much for, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And I'm not sure if you remember me, but we've ran into each other several times uh, when I was covering uh, the Rangers for Sports Day at the Garden. Um, sure, yeah. And you were covering the Rangers as well during the, the later Tortorella and early uh, AV years. Yeah, um, it feels like so long ago now, but no, it, yeah, no, it, it it's funny, it, re it really isn't, but it does seem like for you know a different lifetime <laughs> that Schwartz was, was coaching that team. Um, I want to start here with the Islanders discussion for you, Andrew, and uh, where I want to start is is before the free before free agency, before we even got into the off season, all the talk with the Islanders was that they weren't even going to be able to go out and really acquire everybody anybody because they had to lock up Pellick, they had to lock up Pulak, Sezikis, and, and and the list goes on. And they had so much 
money tied up to guys like Andrew Ladd and, and, and mm-hmm. Nick Letty and and somehow, and this is where I really want to start, Lou finds a way just to dump these contracts and open up money. And, and literally it, it, dump, it, by the way. Yeah, literally yeah. dump. <laughs> I mean, it, what is it? And I don't want to say what is it about Lou Lamorell. We know what kind of uh, general manager he is and, and how he turns every franchise he works with into a winner. But how is he found? How did he find a way early on to, to, to trade off Lady's contract, to get rid of um, Lad's contract so that this way he could go out and make the signings and re-up the guys that he needed to? Yeah, I mean, to him, I mean, you know, the, the Letty deal – that was a real sacrifice. Like he, in, in no alternate universe, did he want to lose Nick Letty? You know, like just like he did not want to lose Devontae's. You don't. You can never have enough defensemen. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was it, it was a giveaway, really. I mean, you know, I, I know they got something back, but really, it's not going to equal the fact that they don't have Nick Letty back there, regardless of you know. I know Islander fans were up and down with Nick Letty and, you know, especially in his own defensive zone. There was a little bit of consternation with him. Um, But really, you know, you're not going to find someone who can skate like that and who can, you know, transport the puck like Nick Letty can. So that was a sacrifice on Lou's part that, you know, he knew he had to make. Look, the the Jordan Everly in the expansion draft – if, if this was the Vegas Golden Knights draft, I, I think we would have seen Lou send something to the Kraken where they, they he, he would have directed them elsewhere. Because I, I don't think he really, you know, he didn't mind losing the 5.5 off the cap because it gives him some ability to do other things. But now he needs a top line right wing in addition to a top four defenseman. Sure. Um the Andrew Ladd one was just like, oh my God. You know, I, 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 you know, I had become conditioned to the idea that this was just an albatross of a contract. And, and I had even said, look, the, the, the likely outcome here has to be Ladd going on long-term injured reserve. You know, they're, they're going to let him go through training camp and the doctors are going to say that his two knees cannot hold up to an NHL, the rigors of an NHL season. And, you know, that's how they're going to deal with Andrew Ladd. I, you know, leave it to Lou to, it it was outside the box thinking, you you take this, you take this draft choice, you take that draft choice, and we'll throw in another draft choice. (laughs) No, we don't need anything from you. I, I mean, and and I think you're going to see more and more of those kind of deals. You know, I, I after that deal was made, I was you know emailing a few people. I was like, I honestly can't remember a deal where nothing came back. You know, there's usually you know some can you know they throw in a seventh round pick coming back just to make it a trade. I've never seen just a one way transaction like that. And the people I was talking to could not recall, you know, anything like that either. And I think that's, in a way, I think that's why, you know, his peers have voted him GM of the year two years in a row. Because, you know, other people, you know, and when I say other people, you know, like Islander fans went into the offseason panicking about the salary cap situation. That yes. Lou's not Lou's not panicking. He's sitting there and objectively saying, "What can we do?" And nothing, nothing is impossible. 
nothing is, you know, off the boards. And, you know, he came up with this idea of just let's send everything. And, you know, in Arizona was the perfect landing spot because, look, they're they're obviously tanking next season. They accumulated, by my last count, 722 draft choices over the next two years. And, you know, and they have $7 billion in salary cap space, you know. So I, I feel bad for Arizona Coyote fans because, yeah. you know, I, I, and, you know, however many draft choices, they, they have like two first rounders and five second rounders, something outrageous. And that's still not going to help the team, you know, no. for four years, right? So... I, I, I don't know what Arizona's doing. And then they trade their goalie. So, you know, but that's that 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 that's a different subject. It, Arizona was the perfect landing spot. And you know what? Andrew Ladd might actually make that team. You know? I mean, he's gonna be given a chance. Why not? And and you know what, Andrew, you you bring up a perfect point because that I don't want to say it started a chain reaction with Lou, but you also got to see what Philadelphia's general manager and Chuck Fletcher did, where he shipped off Shane Gossespear for literally nothing as well, which I guess on, you know, with our good friends at Cap Friendly say future considerations. That's what it's, you know, deemed here with the lad deal, too, probably, as you said, just to, you know complete a trade if you will but again you you know and then you look at that at that massive deal obviously you don't want to change subject but you look at that massive deal too you said 722 draft picks you also bring in a ton of money and who knows you, you might see this new first line of lad louis erickson and clayton keller god help clayton keller who just signed a long-term deal there too you know what 12 seasons ago that would have been a great top line <laughs> yeah yeah it's true oh man well Andrew, you had mentioned that uh, that this team is in dire need of a, of, a, of a top defenseman and also a winger to replace Eberle. Um, <clears throat> I, I guess this is a two-part question. A, the, the name that I feel like continually keeps getting linked back to the Islanders now that Landis Cog is off the market is Vladimir Tarasenko. Right. And then the second part of the question is, do we see... You know, do we see maybe Scott Scotty Mayfield move up a pairing? Do we see you know them move Andy Green around somewhere, or you, or do you kick the tires again and see what a, like a Michael Del Col can do for you? So, what's your take coming into next season for the Islanders at those two positions at this? Well, point? I, I, if everything is status quo, which is I, I know is a word Islander fans hate, but if <laughs> if, if, if everything is status quo, right, um, and you you know. And you, you don't do anything besides what we think is going to happen, which is re-sign Sezikis, re-sign Palmieri, and sign Parisi, right? And that's and that's your offseason. Um, does this now does this mean that Wallstrom is going to skate with Barzell and Lee? Because uh, I would think that would be the case. And then Pajot probably gets Palmieri and Parisi. You know, you got the PPP line right there right um and then you know you 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 can probably bring Travis Zajac back on a you know probably the same deal as Andy Green's getting one year 725 against the cap and Travis Zajac kind of becomes you know with Ross Johnson you know your your 13th or 14th forward Michael Dalcal is a, is an unrestricted free agent I I think the Islanders you know 
it would have cost them nothing to qualify, but they were concerned about, you know, him going to arbitration and getting more than the Islanders were willing to do. So, I mean, the Islanders technically could still bring him back. Um, but if I'm Michael Dal Cole and the team is not qualifying me, I'm, I'm looking to see what else is out there at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, just like, you know, Josh Hosang is finally, you know, moving on. He's he's going to get a, a a PTO with the Toronto Maple Leafs um, and see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it, and as far as the defense, I mean, it, it's still going to be Pelican Pulak and, and your anchors yeah. up top. Um, but now, you know, you, you, you know, I, I, the, the guy who maybe, you know, benefits from Letty leaving, um, you know, although he's, you know, he's on the right side, so you would have to figure it out, but Noah Dobson, you know, going into his third year, you got to think his minutes finally come up, you know, and, and probably average closer to what, you know, the, the Scott Mayfields and the Pelicans and the Pulaks and, things are a little bit more even, you know, although that green Dobson, you know, they love that pairing. I, I mean, when I say they, you know, the coaching staff and Andy Green and Noah Dobson have a real comfort level together. You know, one one guy that no one is talking about who who's still out there is Thomas Hickey. He's still, yes. under, he's still under contract for another year. Um, you know, and, and I know, you know, he's not, He's not Nick Letty. He's not bringing the same things that Nick Letty did. But in those five games he did play, Thomas Hickey showed you, you know, that if maybe he's not, you know, an every every game defenseman in the NHL, he can still contribute and, and be a valuable member. Um, you know, they may wind up having to move him for cap purposes to, to squeeze a, a few more pennies off the cap. But I would think that, you know, Hickey, if he's still around in September, comes to training camp with a real good chance of, uh, you know, earning some playing time here. Especially, look, the guy I, I would love to see the Islanders get, um, if they can work out a deal with the Kraken and and and, and trade for Vince Dunn, you know, you know, not not to use an airplane reference, but I'm, you know, over and done, right? That that would be. That would be fantastic, bringing in Vince Dunn, and I think your your, your problems are solved with that. You know, obviously the Kraken are going to ask for a ton for him. Um, so, and he's, if I'm recalling my mental notes correctly, he's still a restricted free agent too, I believe. Yep. You know, so he's gonna he he's gonna be due a pretty nice contract as well. But if you could, you know, somehow, you know, you'd probably have to send the Kraken, you know, a first or a second or, or multiple draft picks, and then probably, you know, a decent prospect, you know, maybe send a Bodie Wild out there. I'm sure they would ask for a Samuel Bullduck. I, I think the Islanders would be hesitant on the Bullduck thing. Um, the Kraken might ask for Robin Sallow, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe you'd do that, although I, I know they're high on Sallow. I, I, I just don't think any of the Islanders' defense prospects are a this September in training camp, you know, uh, solution. I, I think you're looking at them, you know, more for 22-23 than you are for them in 21-22. So, 
look, the Islanders are obviously in a win now proposition. So if that yeah. means having to send a, you know, a Bodie Weil or a Robin Sallow and a first or a second, and then maybe you send them, you know, Thomas Hickey's contract as well um, and see if that gets it done for Vince Dunn. Uh, I, I, that, that would be an avenue I'd be looking at. That's definitely something there. DeLuca got a couple of questions here for Mr. Gross. I sh yeah, sure do. I mean, AG, we certainly miss you in New Jersey. Complete with, with everything, you know, miss your reporting. It was, it was, a, it was a really good organization to cover. I, I will say that. Yeah. And that, but now I just think with uh, the off season, finally kicking off it's in full swing it's going to be a very exciting time what i'm wondering is if it we all know lou amarillo works in silence is he silently pursuing someone we're not thinking of that's available right that's known to be available like a vladimir tarasenko a tomas tatar perhaps just some someone in the free agent pool who's not been signed yet david krejci even although i believe he is more than halfway done to go back to Boston. Yeah, but... no, I, I think I, I, yeah, but no, you're you're right that um, Lou always throws that curveball at you, right? So, I, I I'm sure Lou loves the fact that the media is, you know, kind of fixated on Vladimir Tarasenko yeah. right now, um, because I, I'm sure. Look, I know Lou has has checked in with St. Louis. I know. You know, he's probably checked back with St. Louis. He's probably checking on a daily basis. But I don't think that precludes Lou from, as you're saying, you know, going a different direction and, and, and looking elsewhere. I, I don't know about Thomas Tatar. Um, he's, a, he's a decent player. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I could definitely see Lou going a different way. And... At the same time, I could also see Lou just doing, you know, what what we think he's going to do with Parisi, Palmieri, and, uh, you know, Sezikis. And then, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe get the Pellic done deal pretty quickly, too. So that doesn't, you know, usually with the restricted free agents that, you know, the, the arbitration hearing date always serves as a pressure point. Yeah. Um, hopefully they can, you know, get that done beforehand, uh, with, with, Adam Pellick. And look, I, 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 you know, I know this is not necessarily your question, Rob, but you know, with, 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 with Adam, I, I think certainly the organization wants to buy years of unrestricted free agency right now. I think they want to get them in for like, you know, minimum of six years at this point, I would think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, no I, doubt. I couldn't, agree, I couldn't agree more. Adam, yeah, Adam Pellick is shown that he's your top pair defenseman right there with Ryan Pulak. I think Ryan yeah. Pulak's actually one of the most criminally underrated players in the NHL right now. Certainly for defensemen, he he show, he shows up right when you need him. So I think these are players that matter a whole lot to the Islanders, to Lou Lamorello. It just you know it makes you wonder. I I assume he will go the status quo with uh, Palmieri, Parisi. And Pellick, I do wonder though if there's, you know, you always got to wonder with Lou if there's always that little side, that little side thing that he likes to keep to himself. Yeah, and and you know what, it might not be done. It might might not be done now. It might be, you know, in training camp. It could know? be exactly. 
Um, and it, it was funny. I was I was joking around, you know, with with Brian Compton at NHL.com the other day. Yeah. Um, they were like, you know, from selfishly from a media standpoint, this is killing us. We're 48 hours into free agency. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting around, sitting on my thumb, writing, you know, the same, the Islanders are silent story two days in a row, right? And just, you know, kind of speculating here rather than reporting on hard facts. And it, it struck me, look, and I, I did check in with the league just to make sure that no player contracts had been registered with the league behind our backs, right? And I, I, I was given assurances that, no, the only contract that has been registered by the Islanders so far is, is the new Andy Green deal, which they had to get done before the, yeah. the expansion draft. Now, the Islanders have still not announced the Andy Green deal, which, by the way, is 725000 right. against the salary cap. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't recall them formally announcing Andy Green's last deal before last season. And then Brian, I was saying that to Brian Compton and, and, and B-Comp goes, I'm still waiting for them to announce Matt Martin's deal. You know, <laughs> and there's a four-year deal. And there, there's been nothing. There's been no official statement on that. So <laughs> that's really, it's, it's a silent time over there at the Island. That's that's right. And as, and as Rob DeLuca says, the uh, Long Island devils or the, 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 the new, the New York devils, what do you call them? The New Jersey Islanders. The new, they might as well be the New Jersey Islanders, especially if who a name we haven't heard, which again, makes me think he's coming back to the Islanders is Travis Zajac. Cause yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't no, want to be done yet. Well, I know. That. Yeah. No, I mean, Travis Zajac is on that tier of free agents who will get done after everyone else. Yeah. You know, there, there's no, you know, and and unfortunately, like our, our good friend Derek Stepan, Stepan has kind of fallen into that range. I saw, yeah. you know, Brian Boyle might even be drawing some interest now, but they're in that tier where, when yeah. you know, when teams actually figure out how much money they have, that's when they can slot guys yeah. like Travis Zajac in. Um, I, I was texting with someone else today. You know, you, you're joking about the Islanders becoming, you know, devil's East really. Um, and we were talking about that, you know, that Nick Letty position. Yeah. And I, I got a text. He was like, you know, John Merrill is still out there. You know, <laughs> who, who drafted John Merrill? Um, and, and then I, I was actually, and, and I like John a lot. I, I, I think he, he's a good player. He's, you know, he's kind of had an up and down career, but he has some skills, right? And I, yeah. I was actually kind of relieved when I saw him sign with the, I think it was the wild today. Right. Cause I was like, you know, I, I know Islander fans are probably right on the precipice of losing their minds. If they hear about like, you know, another devil player coming into the fold, yeah. you know, it, and, and then, and so I texted this guy, I was like, well, Merrill just went to the wild and the text back was like, how about Murray? <laughs> they were they, that's what was wild to me well no play no on words there, no pun intended they they were targeting ryan murray and landed with dmitry kulikov so that's yeah, wow, yeah, that, yeah. very interesting yeah, yeah so so my final two questions for you andrew as as an islanders fan i look to uh, you know, to you for a lot of the Islanders resources. So thank you for everything that you do out here 
I, I was I, I was going to apologize. I, I <laughs> oh man! Well, I'll tell you this: I all of the all of the interaction on on Twitter that you Arthur Staple and B Comp have, uh, you know, with all of the the rock and roll tweets and everything, and uh, and B Comp's love for Kiss, all good stuff. So please <laughs> just keep it going. Um, but once once the Nick Letty deal uh, happened and Richard Panic came back with the retained salary. Uh, 1.375 for the next two. I wondered how Ross Johnston would fit in, how Leo Komarov would fit in, and that's the part where obviously, uh, you know, you, you the, the 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 goal light comes on and said, you know, and and you say to yourself, well, that means that Leo Komarov is probably going to be the next guy shipped out because a couple of years ago or even last year, Ross Johnston, uh you know, as well as Oliver Wallstrom was that guy to, you know, kind of flip flop in the lineup as well as Michael Dal Cole. Um, so now you've got Richard panic in the fold now, and he is a, you know, a, a very, uh, a veteran in this NHL. And now you've got panic and you've got Johnston. And then if you bring back Zajac, where does that leave Komarov? Yeah. <laughs> my, my initial thought is we're, 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 we're doing this again with uncle Leo and <laughs> opening night. He's going to play with Lee and Barzell on the top <laughs> line. <laughs> you know, oh, God. You know, how many times have we written off Uncle Leo? Oh, this has got to be it for Uncle Leo. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, just they don't want to get rid of the player. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Barry can't fully explain this to us because we're not in the room all the time. Yeah, in the team setting, but Barry and Lou, and 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 I should say all of Leo's teammates. There's a tangible intangible to to Leo. He's like a glue in that room, and I, I really think they're a little bit of afraid of what kind of slippage the team has if Leo is not in that room. You know, to 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 kind of you know you hear Jean. Real Pajot always talk about a brotherhood, right? Yeah. Um, I think I, I think Leo Komarov is a big reason why it feels like a brotherhood in, in there. You know, he's he's like your annoying older brother. You know, he sits there with his wad of tobacco. You know, the, the, the first time I, you know, I, I you don't really see a lot of hockey players with like a, a that big wad of chew in their in their mouths anymore right yeah so so the first time you know I, I i came and i talked to leo in the room i i thought like his lip was permanently swollen because like a lot of these players he had gotten a stick he had received some kind of injury that had permanently like swollen his lip yeah and then he took a cup and he spit out all this brown juice and i was like <laughs> oh you know <laughs> Um, so look, you know, he's in at three, three million for one more season, right? Um, financially the bean counter that we've all become because of the salary cap world says that the Islanders financially are probably better off if they can find a partner to take on Leo Komarov's salary. But I, I, I really think. Lou is going to be very hesitant to do something like that, uh, even with the Richard panic here. And, you know, if it comes down to Leo or Ross Johnson, 
you know, I, I think they stick with Leo unless they absolutely cannot afford him, you know, on, on the salary cap. Um, there, there's just something about him. And again, you know, it, it I can't explain it because I'm not his teammate. But right. you talk to any one of his teammates and they, uh, when I say adore, he, he gets under teammates skins in, in a good way just like he gets under Brad Marchand's skin in a bad way on the ice. Yeah. He's, he's got that personality and, and it's, it's kind of crucial to have that kind of personality in the room on, on a a championship level team. So I I think that's where they value him. Um, you know, you know, him playing on the top line for ad infinitum. I still can't explain that. I didn't see what Barry Trotz saw. You know, yeah. I'm not a coach, but I, I was like, yeah, yeah, you have, <laughs> you have this top line, you know, Everly and Barzell and, and the passes would go to Leo near the crease and right. it's not his fault. He doesn't have the hand skills to, to, to convert there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's, right. it's not his fault. That's not him right. as a player, but right. you know. You know, analytics be damned. They loved it. <laughs> yep. And on top of it, too, listen, they made it. They were one game, one goal, really, away from the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, really yeah. all, all all signs point up, fingers crossed, and we'll see and, what happens uh, over there. Look, not to piss people off, but if they get the too many men on the ice call right there, you know, it's still 0-0, zero, zero, and that game probably goes into overtime. Well, I'll tell you this. You kind of <laughs> aggravated me. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it just it it just it just it just brought back uh brought back bad memories there. But Joey's gonna really, have nightmares tonight now. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, one final question here from one of our viewers, Andrew. Uh Jason Weston asks, I know it's not free agency related, but thoughts on Simon Holmstrom possibly cracking the lineup this season and also uh Ratu falling in the draft to the Islanders. Can he be an option in two years? What say you, Andrew? Um, I think both could be options, not this season, the the following season. And I say that regarding Simon Holmstrom, just because the AHL schedule was such a scramble last year that he only got 24 games in. I, I, you know, I, I know sometimes forwards can, can get into the league a little bit quicker, uh, than defensemen. I, I still think they would like to give Simon Holmstrom a, a full AHL season yeah. uh, to, to really develop here. Um, and look, you know, they, they they have prospects in front of them still because you, you got, you know, uh, you, I don't know if you consider Oliver Wallstrom a prospect at this point, but, you know, he's a young player who's who's ahead of Simon Holmstrom. You would think Kiefer Bellows is probably ahead of Simon uh, Holmstrom also. Say that um, and and look, another guy we haven't talked about um, who could very strongly be in the forward mix. Never mind Travis Zajac w- w- would be an Otto Koivula, yeah. Uh, who I know the organization really really likes. He can play all three forward positions. Um, I I could see him as a guy that you know finally gets a chance as like an extra forward, you know cracking in. So I, I would think he's a little bit ahead of Simon Holmstrom as well. Different types of players. Holmstrom, obviously, his game is based on speed and and, and playmaking and, and, and you know, flying towards the net. And that's not exactly Koivola's game. Koivola 
probably projects as a bottom six forward in the NHL. But I, I you know, obviously Simon Holmstrom will get a look in training camp, right? Um, but I, I, I just feel like you know, one more year in Bridgeport will probably serve him best. Yeah. At this point, and Aturati, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I asked Lou Lamorello on, on the conference call, you know when you did all your mock drafts and, you know, you sat in the war room and you figured out everything, was there any scenario where Aturati was available for you at number 52? And, and, and I couldn't quite get Lou to bite on that, but he did give me that he was quite surprised to see Roddy uh, available at that spot. It, it, it could work out spectacularly well. Uh, for for the for the Islanders, I, I do think that that it's not next season. Uh, Roddy said on his uh, conference call, he probably stays. Uh, where's he in, in Finland, right? Uh, yeah. For 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 this season, he's he's contracted for one more season there, so he probably plays over in in that league one more season. And but look, you know, if if he's figured out his issues, whatever they were. Um, because we know he had a really down year, right? Um, his performance in this, uh, you know, in, in this junior showcase this summer, uh, from the moment he got picked, you know, he had what two goals in the first period of his yeah. first game, four yeah. goals. I, I think he's up to eight points the last time I looked. Yeah, that Getting, made Islanders fans very happy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think it. it think it's two things one the islanders drafting him i i think was a, a needed boost to his confidence yeah and two i think falling to 52 put a burr up his behind yeah. you know I, I i think he's going to be really motivated like when, when i did my mock draft and and you know my mock draft you know emphasis on the mock right um, <laughs> yeah but, you know, Colin and Colin Stevenson and I had him going in the mid-teens. You know, yeah. we, we thought the Flyers might take a chance on him, I think, at number 14. But I, I certainly by number 20, I, I thought he would be selected. And then right. he was just one of those guys where, you know, it was probably bad word of mouth, you know. Yeah. And it, it sort of reminded me of uh, uh, when uh, uh, Lou was able to draft Bodie Wild. Right. Yes. It was like it was a no brainer. Here's this talent that is well is ranked well above where you are now drafting in the draft. You, you kind of have to, you know, don't overthink this. Just right. take the dude and, you know, it, it's the second round anyway. So, you know, at best, you're probably 50 50 getting a guy that's ever going to help you in the NHL anyway. So why not? You know, I, I, I thought it, I thought it was a good. I, you know, I, I thought either him or or, or take uh, Jack Pert there. You know, th those yeah. were those were my two guys who had really fallen out of kind of you know the first round, and I, I thought you know, I, I thought it was a good pick by him. And like I said, I, I think Aturati will be, you know, if if he continues to you know kind of play the way he has played this summer. You know, he, he could be a real fine for the Islanders. Yeah.
Well, it's very funny, Andrew, that you bring up, you know, like diamonds in the rough, because we remember back in 2015 when Garth Snow made a trade with uh, Peter Shirelli in Edmonton and got someone that is very well known on the New York Islanders and Matthew Barzell. So, yeah. you know, we know all about the uh, the 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 diamonds in the rough just because of a uh, just because of a lower body injury where he was supposed to be Barzell in the top five uh, just that year. And, you know, one ACL tear completely destroys your top 10 hopes and look where you are now as a number 15 overall draft pick. So who knows, yeah. man, things, things really can happen, uh, but we'll see what happens. So, yeah, but, but by the way, I, I don't think we can emphasize this enough. Boston totally screwed that up. If yes. you have three consecutive picks in the first round, right? I don't care what your board looks like. If you have a talent like Barzell dropping, yeah, and you have three picks. It's not like you know. If you only have one pick, maybe you don't want to risk it. But it, it was three picks. It, it, it should have been a no-brainer for the Bruins there. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're, you're right. And now, and now, unfortunately for them, they only have two out of the three that uh, that have made uh, the show since that 2015 draft. But, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Gross covers the New York Islanders for Newsday. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and spending a few extra minutes with us here tonight. We really appreciate it, and we hope that uh, there's some news tomorrow so uh, you can get back to writing. <laughs> hey, Joey and Rob, thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you guys. Absolutely. Well. Right we, we'd love to have you back in the future. You got my email. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Andrew. Yep. We'll speak soon. Thanks. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the time has come here and, uh, that was a ton of fun guys. The NHL, uh, the NHL free agent frenzy has come to a close Ian and DeLuca all good stuff. Final thoughts from anybody. I think not ladies and gentlemen for one final time, Ian Schreier and Rob DeLuca. I'm Joey Jarzinko for all of us here at the primetime rundown and the Eastern observer, as well as the blackjack media group. We'll see you next time.